plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one mana. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And I still don't know what I'm supposed to say here ever since the uh, the Planesuckers podcast left. I got nothing for this spot. How you doing today, Matt? Oh, we're here to talk magic. How you doing today, Matt? <laughs> uh, good enough, I suppose. So. Worse than me, I bet. Nah, no, my, my day at work was fine. Well, my, was, my day at work was easier. Yeah, it was. You didn't work at all. Nope. <laughs> Flip side is I got paid. So my mediocre paid me and your mm, great didn't pay. Yeah, you. that's true. I didn't make any money today. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. What have I been doing since last time we recorded? Uh, kept going on Warhammer 40k Inquisitor Martyr because <laughs> video games need three titles. Yeah. <laughs> what I heard is that you were playing the game very wrong. I wouldn't say I was playing it wrong. I was not using every feature available yeah, to me. Yeah. I came, I came in to do something at Matt's house and he he was playing and he was like, give me the rundown of the things he's learned. And he was like, do you see this two pages of texts of all the buffs I'm getting? Yeah, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. So for anybody who uh, has played anything like uh, Diablo 2, honestly, it's pretty much Diablo 2. It looked, when you were describing it, it looked very similar to Diablo 2. Yeah. So in Diablo 2, there's runes. You can combine them to make rune words, but the runes themselves have an individual effect as well if you don't make a rune word out of them. Out of them. Uh, Inquisitor or Martyr has the same thing. They're just, you know, the flavors, Warhammer. It's like, yeah, technology-based, like, flavored stuff. Um, and there were two things. I knew they existed. Like, I'd been getting them and picking them up and dropping. I didn't know yeah. the rune words themselves were a thing until I looked up. Um, I was, like, checking the effect of something i was uh-huh i was checking to see and this is sounds kind of silly but when you're in these games it does actually matter so i was using a flamethrower and it's i was checking to make sure it was technically a ranged weapon yeah because it was labeled as an aoe but when you're in these kind of games some of some damage types don't get tagged the way they would intuitively get tagged yeah so i was like okay i want to see make sure that this range thing or this flamethrower is still technically a ranged yeah. Uh, weapon just to make sure any buffs to range things matter because like you're constantly re-rolling stats on these things yeah. and i found out that rune words exist and i was like oh that's cool mm -hmm. and so i started poking around with the like the crafting thing and whatnot and the other big thing i realized is the the we'll just call them runes for lack of a better word the runes and the gems because that's basically what they are they're not permanently lost when you put them in a piece of gear which is different than almost every game I've ever played that has any sort of socketable thing. It's definitely more of a new thing, but all none of the old games ever did that. Yeah. Newer games is a lot more common that you can just rip them out and reuse them, but yeah, that was not how shit worked for no. a long time. Well, I mean, I mean, I guess I was going to say, well, my most recent example was going to be WoW, but like, fuck, even that's old. Yep. <clears throat> but like, basically, once you put a gem in something... It's there. It's there. And at best, like in Diablo 2, you can technically empty the socket but you lose whatever you put in there so i i, I can i can bring it a little far for i played elden ring recently and in elden ring you get to put uh weapons have specials yep and you get to put a special on the weapon <laughs> they made it so that you can do whatever special you want and i went through the first two-thirds of the game hoarding them because i was positive there's no fucking way that you can just pull it back off and reuse it and, and i learned that you can yeah but i going into my game 
Like, there's no way that you get to just put quick step onto a sword and then get a better sword and just take quick step back off. Yeah. Or be like, ah, I don't really like quick step. I wanted to, you know, mega swing or yeah, whatever the no, fuck it is. Yeah, that way forever. Yeah. So I wasn't used to that. So I hadn't, I'd basically <clears throat> been doing what I've done in every video game where I hoard these things. Yep. So I've got an entire stash of this stuff that I haven't been using. I'm like level 75 out of uh -huh. 100, which means I'm halfway to 100. <laughs> Being generous. <laughs> yeah. Um. Although the XP curve in this doesn't seem quite as steep, but I haven't hit 90 yet, so who knows? Um, <laughs> almost halfway there. Yeah. You're almost halfway I'm to almost, 90. Yeah. Um, so I got that figured out. And then, so like the way the Crusades work is like, you've got a map and you're like working through the levels and whatnot. <clears throat> and some of the levels, when you complete it, it increases the difficulty of the whole Crusade by one level. So like I was consistently beating stuff at like four or five levels higher like that's how like i'd finished the crusade now i walk in there at like eight or nine and just like murder everything in the like yeah i'm basically invincible because you and the game was kind of hard when you're playing without with, a full <laughs> with two-thirds of your resources yeah, two-thirds of the uh abilities and then you got it's like oh shit this is what the, this is what the game's supposed to be yeah so um i've started tearing through that that's a lot of fun i fully switched to a heavy flamer build uh, I think last time I talked about it, I was still using like half sword and board and half uh, flamer. Um, the AOE, I mean, the the clear speed's just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Like the flamethrower does more damage to as an AOE than the sword and board was doing just to a single target, other gotcha. than the mega crits. So yeah. like you're 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 splashing more damage than you could with a sword. Yeah, and so one of the cool um, that seems like poor design, actually. Um, yes and no, like. I think the game fundamentally is kind of designed around it. I think it's you're supposed to be shooting kind of thing. And then they, okay. it, that's the way it kind of feels. Um, but it's also just the the nature of these kind of games. Like the if the screen is filled with 50 enemies, if you're doing single target damage, like you're yeah. just playing at a disadvantage. You're playing. You're probably playing. Now, wrong. my boss clear speed, if I had if I had the same knowledge that I have now. I could build a single target because like all, all these things I wasn't using on the single target like sword and board build either. Yeah. So I don't have a pure comparison. That's true. So like I could realistically probably get my boss clear speed much higher than it is now. Gotcha. But the problem is every level is just like there's just fucking hundreds of enemies. Uh-huh. And like you without the ability to have AOEs, your clear speed just plummets, which is why I started using the flamethrower in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the, one of the perks, so you've got a ton of different like ways you can, um, change their like perks and talents and gear and all kinds of shit. Right. You can, are only, you, are you at the point where you're just looking at, um, optimized builds? Or are you still building your own? Um, I kind of both. So I was kind of working off a build that I was looking at, but the problem is the build is on PC and the PlayStation 4, like the console version of the game is like several updates behind the PC version. I see. So he's using a bunch of shit that I don't have access to. Yeah. So uh, I'm trying to like fill in the gaps and like usually what I do when I have a guide is I try to learn the prince, derive the principle that they're trying to get to with the guide and then tweak it to how my playstyle uh -huh. will work. So I'm like, Okay, this is what's important to a flame build. I'm gonna yeah. try to maximize that. And when you're not playing PvP, yeah, you don't need to be. You don't need to eke out every percentage point out of a build, right? Like we're here to have fights. Like, that's why I play Elden Ring. Like I'm not saying a strength build with two giant swords is the way you should build it, but you can beat the game with it. 
and that's how I want to play. So right. what's the best way to play? The, what's the best build for that suboptimal build? Mm -hmm. So I've um, uh, basically kind of split the difference. There's some stuff, um, I like I said, that I don't have access to. There's a couple... Uh, there's a couple like big effects. So the way the gear works is there's multiple different tiers, just like you would expect from any game where you have white, green, blue, purple, orange, that kind of shit. Yeah. But there's orange and there's darker orange and there's red. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because because 0.1% drop rate wasn't good enough. We need 0.001%. To be fair, they do throw fucking gear at you. That's good. Uh, to be the funny thing is I played Marvel Heroes, which is a game very similar to this, but with a Marvel skin. I uh -huh. played the shit out of that game and I started playing it in one one minute, like I was like, this game's fucking Marvel Heroes. Like, and I started looking up to see if they use the, the same engine because like oh. a lot of the stuff, because there's that's the other kind of that's the other game that has stuff had stuff. The game doesn't even exist anymore. Um, similar to runes where like you could combine stuff like a lot of the mechanics are very similar and even the the gameplay feels kind of similar. Mm -hmm. And I know they're all kind of top down action RPGs, but like it feels really similar. Yeah, I get you. Um, so I was like, hey, and I did some Googling and no, I don't think it is. But um, did it have any did any of the designers? I didn't look. I didn't did go you, that. Did deep. you go through it? Yeah, go through a cast and see who who, who the, the CFO is or the, yeah, the, the creative design leader and see if they're. It wouldn't surprise me if I did a deep dive on it. So um, Marvel Heroes, I think one of the lead developers in Diablo 2 was a big part of Marvel Heroes. Gotcha. Which is, I mean, that game was amazing. It kind of spiraled towards the end because they fucked it up. Like, th that game had the worst management I've ever seen. Uh-huh. They gutted the gameplay for PC because it started as a PC-only game because they wanted to put it on consoles. Mm hmm And then they, I don't even think they ever released on consoles because it bankrupted the game. <laughs> gotcha. And then on top of that, Disney pulled their licensing um, because, like, the people in the C-suite were making inappropriate comments about stuff. I don't even remember. The, I mean, this has been like a long time ago. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the details, but Disney was like, yep, you don't get to use, you don't get to say that and use our Marvel yeah. license anymore. Yeah. And so the game went from, hey guys, we're running down to money. This didn't really work. We were trying to save the game, but it didn't happen to, so like we're going to close in six months to, hey, uh, the game's off tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> like, that happened. Who that? That's, um, that happened recently again. Where it's like, yeah, it's, when you're using an IP, when you have someone like Disney tie them tie you tie themselves to your name, like they don't have any tolerance for a bad image. Yeah, anything controversial at all. Yep. And if you if you possibly give Mickey Mouse a bad image, they're fucking out. Yeah, unless you're South Park. And the problem <laughs> yeah. And the problem is they Mickey Mouse comes with them. Yep. Yeah. So anywho, um, I had a lot of fun playing with playing that. I've got I'm almost to the end of the third Horace Heresy book. Uh so shit's devolving and it's sad. It's cool, but it's sad. Yeah. Um, I'm still, I have not picked a, I'm almost certainly going to be one of the space Marine factions. No idea what. So, you know, for a which one? I, I, this is all I've heard basically a clip. It's or a clip. It's a, uh, quick notes version clip, cliff notes, cliff notes version. God, it's been a while since high school, a cliff notes version of this. So are you at the war on Terra yet? No. Well, sorry. Spoiler alert. Um, well, <laughs> Eventually, it gets back to Earth. Yep. But yeah, there's that's. Uh, it, it, I was just curious in the perspective of where you are because I know I said I got I had the entire trilogy explained in two hours, mm -hmm. so I know what happens. Horus has not re openly revealed himself to be evil yet. Oh. So what he's doing? There's a planet called Istavan. Oh, quick 
footnote, uh, it is Loken. I looked it up. That we talked about that either last week or the week before, whatever. Where I wasn't sure if it was Logan or Loken, and the guy oh. was just misprint. It's Loken. Okay. Um, I just did some. I was reading some stuff on wikis and whatnot. Yep. Um, but the big thing I wanted to see if he was still around because uh-huh. these guys theoretically are immortal. So like he could still be mm-hmm. around. He was primarily there for 30k. He and from he's a he's a Primark, isn't he? No, Loken. It was just oh. a, a space marine. Oh, oh, okay. Now he was a very he was a loyalist, and from what I understand, through some shenanigans and whatnot, I don't remember all the details because I was just kind of skimming over this. He he helped found one of the. I think he started like the proto inquisitors. The the I think he helped found the group that became the inquisitors, if okay. I remember correctly. Um, but they're just now invading. Uh, well, I shouldn't say just now. They're in the middle of the invasion of a planet called Istavan, uh, which is basically where Horus picked some rebelling planet to send the loyalists, the people he kind of determined yeah. were going to be not go with him. Yep. He sends them all down. Is and it, then it's a double cross, isn't it? Yes. The plan is to send them all down there and then effectively nuke the planet with uh-huh. like this kill killing virus, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, it's like virus bomb. Yeah. It's a virus it's bomb and it just murders everything on the everything living. Yeah. So the one of the characters just found that out and is trying to race down to the planet to warn everybody. Yeah. OK. That's I, where I'm at. This was a this was a, a key point in the clip in the cliff notes yeah. of what's going on. Okay. So he hasn't quite openly declared war on his but like they're working on it. Give, give it an hour. <laughs> yeah. Basically that's what's going on. So still chugging along on Warhammer. Really like the books. I was talking to the guy at Sage's shop on Monday about which uh, faction to pick. He clearly knew way more than I did. Yep. Obviously. Was it Mike? Uh, it's the guy behind the counter. The younger oh, kid behind the counter. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know what you're talking about. I, I don't I don't mind name dropping Mike because he helps run the store and I know he's okay with it. I'm not going to name drop anyone else in the yeah. store. I don't know. The, I know him yeah. sort of, but I don't remember his name. So you, again, don't, you, but, you don't go there every week for the last year and a half? Don't. Oh, okay. Um, so he was trying to explain some stuff to yep. me. A lot of it went over my head. Yep. Because, I mean, imagine talking to Magic about Imagine talking to magic, talking about magic to somebody who's never played it ever. I now know how my wife feels. Yeah, because I I'll sit down with Mike or or him, and because I've I've been picking up bits and bits and pieces here and there, and it's like, oh boy, it's like I'll ask a question and I'll get like a forty minute answer that finally gets to what I was asking about, and I'm like, I'm happy to know all that, but like, did I need to? (laughs) Probably not. But to them, it's really relevant. Where it's like, well, what about this, this, and this in magic? And it's like. (sighs) <sighs> sit down there's a lot you need to know get ready to take notes <laughs> yeah there, there will be a test the the big thing with me is like when you're trying to teach somebody and to be fair this guy didn't he didn't go too deep mm-hmm. but like there's just so the, much like get them playing and then start te- yeah. like i would never try to teach someone how to play magic without playing the game at the same time yeah like that's like when we're talking like if you're trying to get me to help for example, he was trying to help me pick a faction. Yep. Because I, I was like, I was browsing their stuff, yeah. and they had the uh, ninth edition uh, core book. Yeah. But it had a clearance sticker on it because tenth edition comes out in a couple months. Yep. I was like, fuck! If this is for twenty bucks, I'll buy this and just read it. Yeah. Sure. Like it, yeah. I don't care. It'll give you an idea how it works. Yeah. And I just kind of want to flip through the lore, and it would be, it would probably not be a bad idea to have some idea of what's going on in ninth edition, so the tenth edition yeah. storyline changes make sense because I'm clearly interested in the story. Uh huh. 
and I was like, hey, this doesn't have a sticker on it, but it's got a clearance sticker on it. How much is this? $63. Okay, no thanks. That's the clearance. <laughs> That's the clearance. <laughs> I was like, hard pass. Oh, oh boy. Put that back on the shelf. No kidding. <laughs> I can wait a couple months or just get a PDF of it. Yeah, no shit. And, but after doing that, he came over and we started chatting and whatnot. Yep. Um, I have no intention of playing currently anything other than Space Marines. I don't know what I would be, what, like, faction or whatever the fuck they're called. You don't want to be Lust Demons from the Chaos? No, I don't. <laughs> my miniatures will look better than your miniatures it is i get within the world of warhammer 40k that they claim like everyone claims there's no good guys there are very clearly bad guys <laughs> yeah there's definitely worse guys <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. like reading the story and it's just like oh so as soon as horus becomes corrupted by the chaos he starts murdering innocent people Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, well, the space marines aren't. <laughs> While the space marines may not be objectively good and moral, they're not chaos demons. No, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> now that being said, that like that's not why I wouldn't play them. Like I don't being somebody's got to play the bad guy. Yeah. You know, I've played Axis and Allies before. Sometimes playing well, Germany's fun. Like yeah. it's just the fact of the matter is it's a game. And, and, and there's good and bad guys. Alignment really doesn't fucking no, matter. Not in Warhammer. In playing Warhammer, at yeah. least, like no one fucking cares. Yeah, it's not. That's not what we're here to do. It doesn't matter who the good it's the guy same is. Th well, it's the same thing with as like the colors of Magic. Yeah, like you can play a black deck, and yes, they're kind of weird and creepy. You don't have. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't really, mean anything. It doesn't really mean anything. What I'm looking for is, I think the Space Marines are cool. Yep. And now it's finding it's like the play style because they all have different like play styles. Like yeah. the factions, so oh, like yeah, hundred percent. Some of them are more aggressive. There's mounted units. Yep. I want to find the faction that I feel would match my playstyle the most. So. Yeah, it's funny. So like in Magic, the comparison could be like getting a popper deck and then pimping it out to make it look cool. Whereas with this, I'm going backwards. I'm finding shit that I think looks cool, and I want to build a deck around that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna find all the pretty cards that I want to own anyway, and, and then I'm gonna find them. a way to make those work in a deck. <laughs> I love the art on this card. I'm running it. <laughs> Which is like it costs leads eight mana. to the worst EDH decks. It, yep, but they exist. <laughs> Rebecca Gway Tribal. Yeah, <laughs> looking left Tribal. <laughs> yep, sitting in chairs Tribal. <laughs> Rock paper scissors. Remember tribal. Watch, when we used to watch the Command Zone all the time? I did. You watched it a little bit, didn't you? I, uh, did you ever watch it? I watched it today. <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> the yeah. uh, is the or, I mean no, Commander, Commander versus. versus. I don't yeah. watch the Command Zone, and I'm not knocking anyone who does. I do not watch the Command Zone. Yeah, I'm at, I'm at Commander uh, versus yeah. as well. I uh I watched it today. Gotcha. I I throw it on once in a while as good time filler watching them play and the game actually today was was pretty fun. But uh they lost Justin Parnell. Oh. He uh He's why I watched that show. I know. He from what I could tell he went through some personal strife with his father. Like I I think his father got sick. Like nothing nothing bad happened to anybody. Mm -hmm. But like his father got sick. He had to leave for an extended period of time. And I think the tweet I saw that ended up coming after was he was basically for whatever reason stepping away from content creation. His podcast, Commander Versus, he was walking away from all of it. Just some things in his life got rearranged and he had to prioritize them over content. So, yeah, it's um, it sucks. In I really my opinion, like Justin. It is overall worse, mm -hmm. but I do still watch them occasionally. But I know what you mean. I used to watch them and think that they were good, good decks and good players. And if the goal is fun, then they're good players. Mm -hmm. If the goal is winning, not the best. They let's it, I, I if I can. I have a funny a little add on. Sure. So Corey, who used to be the star city games, competitive um, content creator. There was two of them. I can't remember the other one, 
But every week they would stream a couple hours of modern, usually modern or standard. They would play like modern decks and bash them against each other. And they play like 10 games competitive. Mm -hmm. He plays and sometimes he doesn't curb his competitive competitiveness enough. Everybody and just the deck he builds just fucking wrecks everybody. (laughs) Like, for example, I watched him today mana drain someone's commander, (laughs) which is I in the entire time that I've watched Commander Versus, I don't remember seeing Mana Drain before. Nope. <laughs> nope. He's it was the just one. one of those cards where like people would run a counterspell. Nobody ran Mana Drain because yep. it was basically considered too good. Yeah. He was he's the one who will he takes a lot of infinite extra turns sometimes. And I think it's gotten a little bit better over time because he's he's been doing it a little while now. But yeah, he he had to curb his competitiveness to be like, dude, we're fucking playing for fun. This right. is we're not playing to win on turn four. We're playing to Yeah, it's a I mean the game we, needs to last about an hour. Yeah, we need, that's we need how long our one, show is. One and two hours of content. Yeah. That was to me, I always looked at Commander Versus as like I would have loved to have a playgroup that just hung out at that level. Like if that's like that's that's if they legitimately all just played magic like that and that's where they peaked Mm -hmm. because like everyone's there to have fun no one like they care they're trying to win but they're not like super cutthroat about it and like that's to me is the perfect edh because like edh is cool and you can definitely play it on a competitive level and that's fun too but there's it's not having a multiplayer game it loses an aspect of the competitive nature of it where it's just like it it quite frankly they frequently devolve into games that aren't what you would consider fair where there's like as soon as there's like bullshit shenanigans where like you pissed me off last game yep so now i'm gonna target now we're not playing a real competitive game of like genuine magic where like that shit doesn't matter in a one-on-one game well commander versus that level of play and that style of play where like i they would occasionally pull like looking left tribal and that stuff is stupid. But when they would legitimately take a theme and try to build a deck around it, Uh and then each person does that, I always thought that was really cool and led to really cool, fun games. Yeah. And like was, it was a lot of fun to watch and it probably is a lot of fun to play. Yeah. Oh, it looks awesome. Well, so for perspective and we'll wrap up, um, we'll wrap up this intro soon, this 30 minute intro. But like, so there was a scene they played today where they were playing all the new Praetors, mm-hmm. which I will jump in and say that it's super dumb that they named the new Praetors just like, it's just Jinga It's just their name. Yeah. yeah. But, um, I, their names are, it was, uh, I can't remember who it was, but he had, um, Sheldred mm-hmm. and Sheldred flipped over was on the second chapter. And the third chapter is every creature from every graveyard comes into play under your control. Yeah. And this is, I mean, the graveyards are stacked. They're stacked. Yeah, so he's going to win the game when this flips. 100%. Yeah. Not to mention, he also had a, he also essentially cast Buried Alive on his opponent. Gotcha. So he got to go get his three best creatures and put him in the graveyard. Yep. And Stephen Green, it's Stephen, and then and Suarez, and I just forgot his fucking name. There's Corey, Stephen, Suarez. Can't remember. Sorry, bud. Um, but then it's, it's so Stephen's taking his turn. Uh, Suarez has no cards in hand. He's playing mono white, and he has no cards in hand. Mm-hmm. And so Steven is Which like those two things go together like peanut butter and jelly. Yep. So Suarez literally like proliferated some shit for Steven. So now we can kill him. We can mm-hmm. kill Sheldred guy. It's fine. And Steven is like, all right, start politicking. Uh, and he's like, well, I'll kill you last. He's like, good enough for me. I'll text Suarez. <laughs> <laughs> and knock Suarez down to like five. And it, like, again, for sure going to win. 
And what ended up happening, he ended up casting a spell, drew like nine cards, and drew uh, some land that exiles all graveyards. Like, he found the answer mm-hmm. in his second main phase. But it was like completely fine to go into it being like, fuck it, you can win. Fuck you, Suarez. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you fucked me over last season. Yep. Yeah. That, and that's exactly what happens in commander games. Like, when we're not playing to win, we're playing for fun. Like, we're all looking around going, like, he, like, Matt wins next turn. It's like, I don't care. I don't want you to win. Right. <laughs> I want you to die more. <laughs> and if we, if very clearly none of us can do anything about this, then yeah. fuck you, Jake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Funny thing is, I don't think we ever talked about this, and I know we want to move on, but uh, you, me, Alex, and Mike actually did a season with the Commander versus Rules. We did. It was a lot of fun. It, it ended up being a lot closer than I thought. Yeah. Um, Matt won, I think, handily, but Matt was also way better than us and built way better decks than us and had way stronger cards than us. And like, just your decks were just phenomenally better. And it, the the rule set did help balance it out quite a bit well the 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 thing i loved about their rule set and it's it's probably changed at this I point know what you're gonna say two things it made second third fourth matter, matter and it made the the effect the results of this matter more than just this game mm-hmm. so like whoever wins this game gets some points but a you don't have to win in order to get the most points and b like it matters for more than just the, yeah. like this one game I like how it, and much to like the Monarch, it applies extra sub-rules to the game mm-hmm. of Magic, where like, it's not just about killing everybody, it's about like, making sure Matt loses first. Yep. Like, we just need to kill Matt first this game. We need to, that's kind of, but we can't do it too fast, because there's rules about attacking the dude who's in last, yep. and like, but like, but like, we need to focus on like, well, if it's between, you know, Matt and Mike, well, Matt's in the lead. Let's kill let's kill Matt first and then maybe kill Mike. But we can't kill Mike and then maybe kill Matt. Yeah, because if you kill more than one person in a, in a turn, you lose points. Yeah. Like I I and really had a good time playing that. It was cool. It was definitely cool. It's a cool little subset of rules if you have a regular group that you play a lot. And, and un- you have different decks to bounce around, you know. Yeah. And unlike the a lot of house rules, it's not built to like punish particular play styles per se. Mm-hmm. Like the only one that really is is like the killing more than one person at once. Well, it's it's not, but that's also balanced out. It was it was killing everyone at once. Yeah. So if you kill all three of them at once, yeah. then you lose a point. But that's an anti combo rule. Yes. But it's also balanced out by if you tie for a position, you tie for the lowest position. Yeah. So if I only I get combo three points. Off, I get three points, but none of you guys only get, get one, one as yeah. opposed to getting two or three, two and one. Yeah. You're not heavily incentivized to combo off. Yeah, but you're not also not heavily punished for doing, like, it. For doing it. It's still better for you, but it kind of dials it back a little yep. bit. Where like, As the coolest rule in that, the coolest rule is that you get a point for saving someone's life. Yep, like making if, the game go longer. Yeah, like if you can, if you sword Matt's creature and save Mike's life, you get a point. Yep, that's worth that's worth coming in second instead of third. That's huge. Yeah. So I this is this is where you asked me how my week was. Oh, I thought we were moving on. I didn't think we cared about your week. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. How was your week, Jake? It was great. Shout out to our patrons, I guess. <laughs> I don't think I even did anything interesting this weekend. Um, we I had did a three pioneer on Monday. Um, yeah, that's what we're talking about. So I was trying to think. Like, not much happened over my weekend. Although it was a shitty weekend. It was awful weather this weekend. Well, we had a leak in my bathroom yeah i get came to, over and helped fix that i got to be a semi-emergency plumber for matt where he had uh, just a bad cartridge in one of his things but so i like ended up coming home or coming over here and spending like 20 minutes trying to fight a handle off 
because it's just been old and rusted on there. Yep. But we were able to get the leak fixed, which is pretty cool. One bolt away, man. One, yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, we're we're not terribly far from breaking something in. Like, I mean, so case in point, well, I'm prying that off. If at any point I break like the housing of that, it's fucked. Yep. If I pry on it wrong, I, I and I was thinking about this, where if I crack the metal around it between it and the tub. Let's let's we need to cut a hole down here in this in the basement to see all of it so we can reach up and try and replace the whole faucet. It's going to be a fucking nightmare. So, yep. One broken bolt. (laughs) Um, But on Monday, we got to celebrate our one year anniversary at the Sages shop doing Pioneer. So huge shout out to DC. I know he listens. Um, I don't know if Ian listens every week, but and also a huge shout out to anyone who um, who plays Pioneer with us on Mondays and listens to the podcast. Like I know Ethan does. I know Nate does. I know Rose and Winter do. Um, I'll be totally honest. You know, we've been going for a year and we have any every week we have anywhere between eight and 14 people show up. And every single week when I wake up, walk in on Monday, my first thought is, what the fuck are you guys doing here? How are how are people still coming? Because I had no intent of this ever becoming a thing of it ever getting popular. Um, we had roughly I think we had 18 or 19 people show up for our Monday Pioneer. We had a one-year party, pizza, chips, had some fun prizes, gave away a Cantor Cartel play mat. Um, but just have to say thank you to everyone who comes out and plays. Have to tell everyone out there that um, with a little bit of money investment, and that definitely is a big part of what helped grow our community, although I will say that I think we have a smaller, in general, magic community than most places. The mm-hmm. Midwest isn't great for magic in general. Well, and we've also got two shops in town. We have two shops, yeah. Help. So a little bit of money investment. I usually spend about 20, 30 bucks a week to donate, to sponsor it. But, like, you can build a thriving community. And and realistically, I could take that out now. Like, we've, we've been going long enough. I could stop doubling price support, and we'd still get plenty of people to show up. But regardless, just super happy everyone showed up. Super happy that we got to make a little fun community. We got to put the gathering back into Magic the Gathering. And I look forward every Monday to heading out and either stomping noobs or getting stomped like what happened this monday our one year anniversary oh, I went, how'd that game versus or that match versus oh, mono green go fucked. <laughs> that was hilarious remember how game one went yeah. that's about how game two went cool that's so i was playing rakdos mid-range against mono green um devotion in pioneer which De- devotion's favorite i don't think i've ever beat him with any of my rakdos decks joe's pretty good so game one, you watch me just get just compl- outclassed every turn mm-hmm. we're just slamming threats on a different level and then game two, on like turn two, I slammed the dampening sphere. And just eventually Joe got to like five mana and started playing four fives. Yep. And like now my creatures are outclassed. And I was kind of, ca- but they got a Karn. And a, so I, a Karn to get Pithing Needle to shut my Chandra off. So I'm not drawing extra cards. I don't have no inevitability no more. I'm not drawing extra cards. And then eventually, you know, it was like, okay, you know, I'm going to besage you your shit and then cast Olamog. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, what two things would you like to exile, sir? <laughs> Okay, I'll concede. I just got completely curb stomped. Now, um, in Black Red Midrange's defense, Sheldred would have, and I know you, yep. there's a big difference between Sheldred and Chandra. And oh, I yeah. know it's money. It's a $60 yeah. fucking card. Sheldred is Sheldred absolutely done, a better card. Yeah, would have like done a ton of work in those matches. He, he would have been almost dead. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, the biggest thing is, like, Sheldred just stonewalls everything in that deck. Uh, outside the Planeswalkers, like, he can't attack into you anymore. Yeah. He's got, there's there's a few. She's what, a four, four, five? five? Yeah. There's a few creatures that can attack through it, but um, the four, four troll, nope, can't do anything with it. The, I think the cavalier's a four, five. 
So yeah, she stands in front of pretty much the important stuff. And, you know, whereas he can get Pithy Needles to shut Chandra off, because Chandra is my inevitability. Mm -hmm. She does two damage a turn. Sheldred does two damage a turn no matter what. And he probably would have lost eight or nine life. Um, over the course of the Which five, four or five turns. Which radically changes the way you have to play the game. Yeah. And uh, 100% just like the deck is just worse not having Sheldred, but I refuse to buy them. Yeah, which is fair. And it's, we are proxy friendly, but I, I, as I was telling to, I told everyone, because they're like, why don't you just proxy him? It's like, because I intend on taking this to tournaments. Yeah. And while I might be able to borrow Doug's Sheldreds, I need to know how to play the deck without Sheldred. Because playing the deck with Sheldred's a lot easier. Yeah. You play Sheldred. Whereas playing with Chandra's a little more, a little trickier. Find, because, Finding a window to play a planeswalker and use her removal or use her pluses or get mana or it's a little little trickier. I need to know. Well, it's how a huge to... downside against that kind of deck in yeah, particular because you can't just go turn four Chandra and then he just attacks with his four four for three yeah. that he casts on turn two. Yep. With uh, land, you know, yeah. land War elf on turn one, and not to mention like that game where I had the board relatively locked down, and he goes, "Cool, I'm, I have five mana, right? I'm going to cast Karn and cast Pithing Needle." Yeah. God, I hate that card. I hate Pith- I hate Karn so much. <laughs> Karn legitimately, in my opinion, needs banned out of Pioneer. I think just I don't have any problem that the deck ramps on because there's land destruction. They ramp on mana. They go crazy with Nykthos. They do all kinds of crazy shit. The fact that he gets to play with his sideboard every single game is goddamn ridiculous. I fucking hate That's Karn. That's a pretty I, – I don't play Pioneer enough to have like a – strong opinion on it i but i've heard that a lot yeah. like that's not an uncommon yeah, I, opinion at all people the, fucking I, hate karn i lose almost every game against devotion to his sideboard stuff to just the sideboard one of that is the answer to this deck which that's how the deck does really well yep that to me like the problem with karn like just from the outside looking in again i'm not a huge pioneer player but karn is a legacy modern card that just happens to be legal in pioneer yeah. Yeah, not to mention the splash damage he gets where he shuts my treasures off. He shuts my blood tokens off. He, But to I, be fair, I would also, I'd say the exact same thing about Fable of the Mirror Breaker. That's yeah. another, like, another one of these oops. Yeah, that probably is a little too powerful. <laughs> I, I'd be fine to see both of them go. Yeah. I'd be okay with that. But yeah, that's... You know who I'd hate to see go? Who's that? You can't oversell it like that. <laughs> Any of our patrons, um, after this 30-minute intro, 33-minute intro... Let's run through the patrons really quick. Emperor, Rogue, Ashley, Eric, Monowolf, Ethan, CJ, Nate, Asphalt, Ted, Mumbledown, Rob M, Limit of Questions, Winter, Rose, Becker, Derek T, and our brand new patron. It seems like every fucking week we get a new patron. What is wrong with you people? <laughs> uh, his forest. And I confirmed that's what he wanted me to say. And I'm assuming he wanted me to call him his force. That's his Discord name. So Fair enough. thank you, everyone, for coming on. Thank you for joining the Patreon. If you want to get into that Patreon, get some of that sweet extra content, get into that private Discord, patreon.com forward slash cantrip cartel. We have got tiers for everything. Every tier gets you into the Discord so you can chit chat with us and make fun of us and tell us we're stupid and point out our dumb mistakes. Speaking of dumb mistakes, Matt, Legacy, the format. Let's, let's, <laughs> how does Legacy look? Uh, the top eight looks fantastic. Uh, the metagame summary is good. Not quite as diverse as we've seen in the past couple weeks, but overall still looks fine. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> we'll get to it in a second. But there's something very interesting about Mono Green Cloud Post. <laughs> Look at the price. <laughs> Remember how last, it was either last week or the week before, it was like, hey, I'd love to play Cloud Post, but that's a five thousand yeah. dollar deck. Why does this deck cost six grand? Yeah, uh, Tabernacle. <laughs> Turns out when you don't play you Tabernacle, just... the deck costs nine hundred dollars. Yep, <laughs> and still get second place. And again, okay, so the deck costs nine hundred dollars, 
There's $200 in four mind break traps in the side. Yep. I'm not saying the deck doesn't need it, but I'm saying like if mind break trap gets repeated, this is a $500 deck. Yeah. Or a $600 deck or whatever. So, um, I just, I just, I saw that and I was like, and so if you click on it, if you click on mono green cloud post, you can actually see similar decks over on the right and their tournament results. And you can see the $5,500 one we were talking about two weeks or last week. (laughs) Yeah. There's a $800, $800, $1,000. Yeah. It's five and a half car. grand, five and a half grand, five and a half grand, six grand. Ooh, reserve list. You're the worst. Anywho, bringing it home, we've got Fish Duggery with five color Zenith. We have Let's not. See if this is actually a five color deck first. Haven't seen five color Zenith piles putting up numbers recently. It is technically a five color deck. It's technically. <laughs> it's Omnath deck. and Atraxa. It's, it's got good to me. one Omnath. So in the main, there's yeah. one yeah. red pip. You do have the uh, pyroblast and hydro yeah. or pyroblast and red blast. In the but side. we have a long history of not counting those towards yeah. like which you know color yeah. alignment. <laughs> Is it actually going to be? Is it considered actually a, no? Yeah, because we make fun of it all the time. Yeah. It's it's green white depths with yeah. pyroblast. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not Jeskai control. It's blue white control with pyroblast. Yep. So uh, we haven't actually seen. When was the last time? Before Atraxa, that's for fucking sure. This has, well, this has two <clears throat> spicy additions. Yeah, I was going to say, so we haven't, this is, one, this is Yorion. That's, that needs of to course. be mentioned right up front. Yeah, how else do you find room for these cards? Every one, yeah. So, let's go through the list here. Uh, Dryad Arbor, Birds, Collector Oaf, Ice Fang, Waddle. Something worth mentioning at the top. It's also a natural order list. So, it's not just yeah. Green Sun's list. So we've got we, four Zeniths and two natural orders. Yes. Which is very relevant, because there's... There's a there's several creatures. There's a couple of creatures in here that's gonna they're gonna be hard to zenith, and one of them that's basically impossible to zenith. Yeah. Um, one of the cool things though is like every one of these creatures is absolutely worth natural or casting natural order for. Yeah. So <laughs> we've got um as far as the big stuff goes, three euros. Yep. One Omnath Locus of Creation, one Thalia and the Gitrog monster, which I love. Yeah. Um, we haven't talked about it yet, but I want to go through. We'll talk about it, but I want to go through the list first. One Atraxa. And then let's see. So there's Natural Order. Do they have a Guy's Cradle? I don't think I saw Guy's Cradle. Doesn't look like it. So, like, I mean, realistically, uh, green sunning for Atraxa is pretty unlikely. Yeah. But we have seen, and they haven't been top eighting as much, but um, Atraxa Natural Order lists have been making the rounds. They've been, they've been 5 0ing on MTGO, and they've been doing okay in the challenges. Just the idea of just, just like I think like a Bant natural order list with Atraxa as the top end. So seeing the one of Atraxa with a few natural orders um, just kind of merges, basically merging that list into your pre-existing Zenith list mm-hmm. and having a much better top end to go. You know, fucking on turn three or four, or whatever. You know, turn your Dryad Arbor into an Atraxa if you feel it, if it's if against Death and Taxes because the coast is clear. Yeah. So Thalia and the Gitrog monster. Can you read him or get me click on him? I got him. So he is uh, white, black, and green with a colorless. So four CMC total. Yep, four CMC, a four-four with first strike and death touch. Powerful so combination. He's already he and she they are already on rate. Yeah, you don't know what Gitrog is. The he frogs are boys. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true at all. Yeah, it is because toads are girls. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love doing like pretending to be like completely yeah. stupid. I do that all the time. I got in an argument with somebody over uh it was on Ventrilo 
when I was playing WoW, uh-huh. and they were Canadian. They were in my guild, and I had them convinced that I thought the plural of moose was meese, because the plural of, <laughs> of goose, goose is, is geese. geese. <laughs> and so you had a full-blown argument. Oh, yeah. It was like an hour long. <laughs> that he's legitimately trying to convince you. Yes. <laughs> or, in, or teach you that you don't call him meese. Yep. So I do it all the time with like uh, uh, goats and sheep. Like goats are all males and sheep are all females. <laughs> I'll do that with Sarah where I'll just take the wrong side of an argument until she looks at me and goes, are you fucking serious? And I go, no, of course not. <laughs> right. It's so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho. Uh, so Gitrog and Thalia are already pretty good. Like, a, I mean, nobody would just play a 4-4 first strike death touch for four, but like on rate in mm-hmm. any place other than legacy, pretty decent body. Yep. So, you may play an additional land on each of your turns. There's the Gitrog monster. So, there's the Gitrog. Creatures and non-basic land your opponent's control enter the battlefield tapped. So, there's three mana. There's three mana Thalia. Thalia. And then whenever uh, whenever it attacks, sacrifice a creature or land and then draw a card. There's Gitrog again. There's pseudo Gitrog, basically. Yeah. There, I, the Gitrog is about sacking lands to draw yeah. cards. Yeah, that, that's very clearly his effect, but it's not like... It's different. It it's different. not the same. Well, yeah, the first two are basically copy and paste. Yeah, and this one was, hey, it's something different. But it also has that kind of like white flavor where you have to attack to get your effect, yeah. which they do frequently. Um, Luckily, they put it on it. Like, there is almost never any risk attacking with this thing. Yeah. It's a fucking 4 4 first rate death touch. It, yeah, you can just every turn swing. kills everything. It's going to kill whatever it touches, and yep. then, you know, or it's going to get through and punch for four. Yep. Which, in and any case, a, you're probably happy. And draw a card. Yeah. Now, the downside is you got to sacrifice the land or creature to do so. Yeah, it's true. But you get to play additional lands every turn. Like, in this deck, that's going to be like upside with life from the loam. Yep. You're just going to keep hitting your land drops, sacrificing them for value. Like, I don't know. I think the card's cool as fuck. Does it, and say, I want it. Does it say other? Um, no. A no. creature. So, I mean, so eventually you can attack and sacrifice it if, if you want. It's always nice to have options. Even yep. if it even if it is a bad decision, it's nice to have the option of sacking your get rog if, you, if you think you need to or if the card's more important. Yeah. But um, Thalia and the get rog monster is the first card I've seen in a while where I was like, I really should build an EDH deck around that. Because <laughs> it just looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. And I like Abzan, and I don't actually have an Abzan. I've never... I think I had a Doran deck. Doran's the tree, isn't it? Yeah, some... The, it's the fat butts. The fat butts. Yep. Um, But yeah, it's been a while. But be honest, we don't get to play EDH that much, so it's yeah. kind of a waste of time. And that's why I haven't. But uh, I really like Thalia and the Get Rogue Monster. Super cool card. Um, Not much else to say about the deck. I mean... It's basically, it's very similar to like these kind of grindy, I mean, it's different. Everybody knows this. It's different than four color control, but it's kind of playing a pseudo similar game plan. Yeah. A lot of the cards are the same, but you're going to put in Yorion so you can, you yeah, can yeah. put more meat in your pie. I mean, this is meat pie. Yeah. You've got, you've got just good board stall good. Yeah. with like Ice Fang Coatl. Um, You've got time buyers with Uro and you've got just a shit ton of targeted hate piece toolboxes like... Collector Oof, Endurance, Ramanac Excavator, um, just little little toolboxy answers that Which is also fantastic with Thalia. Which is also fantastic. Thalia, with Thalia. and the Get Rock Monster. Yeah. The only thing I don't like is the names on these cards are fucking long as shit. And well, so if I just say it's a, I if you say Ramanap is awesome with Thalia, no she's not. No, that, that <laughs> no it's not. <laughs> yep. Well, you know why they had to make the name so long? Why they that? ran out of space in the text box That's for more true. words. <laughs> 
I would have shit my pants if I would have like these cards. Uh-huh. I say it all the time because I'm an old head, but like four mana gets you this. Four mana uh-huh. used to get you a three three. Yep. And now it gets you first strike, death touch, maybe draw some cards, slow your opponent down, and ramp. Yeah. Because it's you don't even have to cycle land. You can just ramp every turn. Yep. You can just play two lands this turn, play two lands next turn if you got if you got the cards. Which Erdo's drawing you cards. He mm-hmm. might be he might be giving you more lands. And yeah, I was gonna say, and getting you more land drops. So this cool deck looks like it's basically an EDH deck. Yeah, it is. It's, if you want to play EDH and Legacy, this, this is, is what I kind of always like. Nick Fit became this, and I'm sure Nick Fit still exists. But if you wanted to play Nick Fit, if you love Nick Fit, like play four color. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's going to cost you three and a half grand. But play four color Zenith or five color Zenith because you get to play with all these probably not quite good enough Nick Fitty creatures. But it's okay because there's only one of them, and you just tutor the ones you need at any given time. Yep. And instead of running what are currently considered bad cards like Veteran Explorer and Cabal Therapy, in yeah. order to ramp, yep. you just run good cards. Uh-huh. You just like run Brainstorm and Ponder and <laughs> additional land drops yep. and Life from the Loam and Bird Spores. Prismat- prismatic ending, just good removal, good counter spells, buy a little bit of time. And you get Force of Will, which is huge. Big. Yeah. So, that's first place. Congra- uh, congratulations, Fish Duggery. Next up is Tabernacle-less yeah. Green Post. Mono budget, green cloud post. Budget post. <laughs> budget post. <clears throat> Let's see. How often do you see a under $1,000 deck come in second place in a challenge? Pretty infrequently. Pretty infrequently. Now, that being said, there's not much interesting going on in the list itself for a mono green post list. Yeah, no, not much has changed from what we talked about uh, last week or the week before that. I could never, all the episodes kind of run together. Yeah, I get you. Um, Still got crop rotation, elvish reclaimer, yeah, expedition map, pithing needle, like all this stuff's pretty much the same. Like, up still three prime times to obviously go insane. Yeah, God, that has to be the one of the most satisfying things to do, though. Like, I'm sure you wouldn't always do this, but the um, the idea of like cast prime time, like in theory, cast prime time, get cloud posts, swing with prime time, get more cloud yep. posts, <laughs> like that's bonkers. I, now again, um... you'd probably just dark depths, whatever. Not I, not always, but like the number of times I've I played this deck several times, I not a ton of times, like, and I've been in a clearly winning position where like one, like cause I I used, I used to play a lot of mentor, and one prime time does not solve your problem. Mm-hmm. You're at like four life, and I've got like six creatures. Yeah, and they do they fucking go they cast prime time and they fucking go get double um, what's the one that gains life? Double glimmer post. Oh, they'll go get double glimmer post and fucking gain ten life. Mm-hmm. And then they'll go to attack me, and they'll gain ten more life. And it's like, are you? They'll get two Vesuvas. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Yep. Like, the flexibility there is so like, to slam the prime time, and even if you are fucked, and but just not to mention the number of games I've lost where it's like I'm ready to go in for lethal, and it's like, oh, cool, fucking uh, glacial chasm. Yep. I'm glad they have four more turns to find an answer to this because I'm not playing Delver or Maze of Vesuva. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> double maze. <laughs> My yeah. go, my go tall strategy isn't going to work. My go wide strategy isn't going to work. Yeah, it's got a ton of options. Like if you're playing, like when you're playing against control decks, it's a, it's very hard to beat if you don't have something like Blood Moon or um, Back to Basics, because you know uh, a control deck is all about being able to go bigger, and nothing is bigger than tapping four lands and casting Emrakul. Yeah, yeah, fucking cheating is what it is. <laughs> well, that's what Legacy is all about. Legacy is basically cheating. It is 100%. If you're, that's what we talk about. Like, 
are you doing a legacy power level thing? Mm-hmm. And that's like, are you Cloud cheating? Post does. Are you cheating hard enough? Because if you're not, you probably shouldn't be playing legacy. Yep. All right. Third place, we have, looks like Mono Red Painter. Uh, let's look and see if there's anything new here. We got the Welders, Engineers, Painter Servant, The Apprentice. Uh, have we talked about the Phyrexian Dragon Engine yet? I believe we have a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it's a really, it's, it's, um, it's a cool thing because, if we haven't talked about it, you can uh, weld it in and out with Goblin Welder, mm-hmm. and you're drawing three cards every time. Yeah. Because it doesn't, if you don't unearth it, then you don't have to worry about it getting exiled. And the card just reads, if it enters from the graveyard, discard your hand, draw three. Yeah. So you can, you know, uh, Goblin Welder is one of the searches, right? Nope. Engineer searches. Yeah. So you can just cast Goblin Engineer, go get it, throw it in the graveyard, and you just have this engine online where even if your Goblin Engineer isn't going to be winning the game thanks to Painter or Grindstone, like you're burying them in card advantage. You're pseudo ancestral recalling every turn. And yeah. like, you just can't like in a deck that already has crazy inevitability. You'll never beat that. Um, this like I've, these decks are so good at just getting to run just like Karn really powerful. One of artifacts that you just get insane value when you start flickering them in and out. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. once upon a time it was Icar Wellspring. And yeah. that was a great... It was pa- just, just drawing a card. It was a super powerful thing to, for this deck to do. It was like, I'm just going to draw two cards a turn. Yep. And now it's evolved to, I'm going to draw three cards a turn. And, you know, you have to remember discarding your hand. If anything you're discarding is an artifact, you're going... You're going to be able to welder or engineer it out. just drawing those. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think we've talked about it, but in case we haven't, like, it's a really powerful synergy um, that I'm super happy to see getting abused in this deck, but... It's more powerful than even I thought it was when I first saw it. Because I just saw it, just playing it fair. Just these decks get to four or five mana sometimes. And just unearthing it isn't terrible. Casting it, having a nice power, and unearthing it and having, you get to unearth it and have a, a draw three. Even on the front side, if you did cast it for three, you have a two-two double strike that works with, again, I thought far enough to think, well, it works great with welder. You can weld it out to weld a painter in. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no dipshit. You can weld a fucking lotus petal out to weld this in and draw three. Yeah. Yeah, if you're not going to go for the combo win, yeah. this is a fantastic plan B. And so I don't... I or never play, it just digs you into yes. your combo really quickly. I've never played Painter, um, but I listen to uh, Everyday Eternal, and those guys have a huge boner for Painter right now. Um, Callum and Julian are both on the Painter train, and it is the, their opinion. Do you remember with Hogak how like the Hogak beat was a very significant strategy? Mm-hmm. I'm just going to fucking beat you to death with Hogak cards. Yep. The apparently... Painter beats is a very legitimate strategy. Your opponent spends so many resources just trying to keep you from comboing. Like, I'll just attack you for two to four every turn mm-hmm. and you'll die. Yep. Because it takes so much effort and so much commitment to keep the painter player from just winning the game. Yeah. I mean, at any point in time, especially with like Urza Saga yep. in the deck, you're like winning the game is just right around the corner. Yeah. And so you have to play in a very specific way to not die to painter that will leave you open to dying to Magus of the Moon or dying to like Phyrexian Dragon Engine. Yeah, that, that's one of the nice things about the deck is like once you hit six, you can theoretically just win that turn. Yeah. Like you can do it quicker with like welders and whatnot or whatever, but like it's if the game goes long. If the game goes long and you're sitting on six mana, at any point in time you can go paint yep. or grindstone game. And like once you have and you have eight welders. So once you have eight or oh, four welders and four engineers, once you have, you know, a welder or two, you can just win the game through removal. Yep. Through a couple pieces of removal sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fantastic deck. 
Happy to see it. Yep. I don't think it's top eighted in a while, has it? Um, oh, it well, is, I guess we can look. It's um, been, it's been, re- it's been really prevalent in the meta for a little while. Looks like um, it did. And so you, we've been seeing. Oh, I guess I just don't remember talking about it. Yeah, it, it's been. It was last week. I spaced it. It's been pretty popular. Um, we've actually been seeing, I think, a decent bit of graveyard hate in response to Painter because when you do force painter to just play fair, it does win a lot slower. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you remove its graveyard as an, as a, as a resource, it does get much harder to win with painter. Anywho, fourth place, another deck we haven't, that's one we have not seen in a long time. Yeah. You know why we haven't seen lands in forever? Well, I'm, I'm looking at this to seeing, to see exactly what kind of lands it is. <laughs> Let's see. Cause this is nothing like what, Typically speaking, is in there. I don't know. They're missing a bunch of cards that were in there the last time I saw lands. So currently, it's just categorized as red green lands. Yeah. So I say, or recently, the issue they've been having is I don't I don't think lands ever beat initiative. Mm -hmm. Just there was never a draw that lands had that could keep up with or beat initiative. Yeah. So now that initiative has really gotten hammered down, there's an opening for lands to come back, and for the low price of nine thousand four hundred dollars have a chance of getting something done oddly enough only 484 tickets <laughs> surprisingly affordable in mtgo yeah well then that's the thing i mean the fact of the matter is is most of the decks once you're in the mtgo like uh ecosystem it's just not that big of a deal yeah like it's the cards are so liquid and most uh, i'm sure a lot of like content creators just rent their cards because they're oh, just bouncing ma- around the vast majority yeah. yeah you're like well i make most of my money on monthly income from Viewers, I'm yep. going to take a small portion of that, a very yep. small portion of that, and just rent decks yeah. to well, generate like, more money. Even me, like I like playing Blue Light Control, but there for a long time, what I started doing was I just I just rent because I really enjoyed being like, I want to play Delver for a, a league. I want to play uh, Show and Tell for a little bit. I want to play. I just had a lot of fun being like, that's a cool deck. I want to play it and go rent it yeah. versus being like trying to buy all the cards, move the money around. You know, you lose lose 10% buying and selling, mm-hmm. paying the ass. Yep. So anywho. Spells, we got crop rotation, life from them. We'll go through this a little bit because we haven't actually talked about lands in a fucking yeah. while. Um, crop rotation and life from the loam, artifacts, we've got Mox Diamond, then we've got some uh, Urza Saga targets, Expedition Map, Pithing Needle, Shadow Spear, Soul Guide Lantern. Uh, then we've got Sphere of Resistance and one Crucible of the World, and Exploration and Sylvan Library. I did not know Exploration got reprinted. That's the new Dominary remastered set. Gotcha. Yep. Good for, good for Exploration. Well, what? got reprinted. And one of the double masters as well with yes, the like they had, it had a borderless. Art. Yeah. Yep. So one of the things I noticed about this, um, there's uh, I don't see the uh, what's that fucking three man enchantment, Valakut exploration. Mm-hmm. Um, Valakut exploration is a, is a huge reduction to see or a huge loss to see for the deck where it's very good inevitability. But what I really don't see is very many um, stacks pieces. The old, like no thorn of amethyst, not even a full playset of sphere of resistance, um, no chalices, no nothing. Yeah. Well, it doesn't have punishing fire either. Yeah, I, I'll say that we haven't seen we haven't seen pun fire lands for a little while. Well, I mean, to be fair, we haven't seen lands in a little while. That's fair. That's also true. That's also <laughs> but true. But that's what I like. I was looking at this and I'm like, where are all the colored mana pips? Yeah, there's like, there's there's not. This is like the most pure lands deck I've actually seen in yeah. a really long time, and it's really surprising. Like I said, see, so like there's an extra sphere of resistance in the side, but there's very like lands is a very staxy deck normally and this is not a staxy list it also like and nothing about this is really like a turbo depths lands list like 
the it appears the strategy is still going to be like Urza's saga beats or mm-hmm. depths when you get to it. Yeah, and I suppose we that's one of the things we should we don't normally discuss the lands. Uh we should probably discuss the lands in this. So lands, uh we'll hit the the highlights, the non-mana producing ones. Um as far as their primary function. So we've got one blast zone, uh one Bajuka Bog, one Beseju, two Dark Depths, uh Ghost Quarter, Caracas, two Maze of Ith, two Rashadden Port, one Tabernacle, three Thespian Stage, Tower of the Magistrate, four is a saga. Four wastelands. So those are the utility lands, the yeah. important ones. There's, you know, there's, it's there's 34 fucking lands in the deck. Most yeah. of them are silver bullet lands. They're answers, which that's the whole point. Yeah, that's, that's how lands works. But yeah, it's it's definitely. I'm not saying it's a newer old take. I don't know enough about lands, but it's definitely a different take than what we've seen recently. I don't know if the lands Discord. This is if that's what they've been cooking up for the last you know six months of playing, but it's nothing that I've seen. Yeah, it's like I said. It's there's normally one more thing in the deck. And that's kind of what caught my attention was like, there's no exploration. There's no punishing fire. Like well, there's exploration. It, I'm at the, the Valica expiration. Oh, sorry. There's no yeah. Valica expiration. There's no punishing fire. Punishing combo. fire. There's no like, there's, there's no, no like amethyst. plan B is basically what I'm looking for. Yeah. And they don't have any of that shit. So kind of cool. Uh, excited to see it again. I love lands. Uh, the funny thing is I fucking love like hat, like almost every deck in legacy. I say that because yeah. I do like these decks are awesome. Like, the problem is most of them are unplayable six months out of the year. Right. The six, <laughs> once Delver gets a new toy and it becomes broken again, all these other, all these decks are unplayable. Speaking of which, oh, fuck yeah. So we got Blue Red Delver with Sprite Dragon. Hell yeah. <laughs> Sprite Dragon was what I was on before Murktide and uh, DRC yep. came out. I maintain Sprite. If you're going to be building, if Blue Red Delver, or if you're building a a, a a list of Blue Red Delver that is aggro-oriented, Sprite Dragon's the way to go. It's a good card. It's it's really fun to play, too. Yep. It's one of the things I liked about it most. Um, this list is spicy, so we're actually going to... This will be the first time we talk about Delver in the positive sense in a while. This fucking deck runs eight dragons. <laughs> so, creatures. We got DRC. Yep. For Sprite Dragon, which we haven't really talked about yet. So it's a blue and a red for 1-1 one, one Flying Haste. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. <clears throat> so prowess on steroids. Prowess on steroids. Could you imagine <coughs> if Monastery Mentor gave out plus one, plus one counters instead? Be nuts. Card's already nuts. It's just less nuts than everything else currently happening. He's so good. <laughs> the, see, that's the thing that I kind of wish Magic could do, although it would get out of hand really quickly is patch cards. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, everybody loved Monastery Mentor, but it's been power crept out. We're going to change the plus one, plus one until end of turn to plus one, plus one counters. Yeah. Let's see how that goes. Well, yeah, that's that's alchemy. Yeah, I mean, well, that's, I mean, it's Hearthstone is it's fundamentally Hearthstone, yeah. what it is, is they can just patch cards. But the problem is what you get there is like, you're going to get exactly what they already do where they fucking ban stuff just to rotate metas but they're going to do that just by like you're just going to have a constantly churning legacy which some people would like and to be honest i wouldn't hate if i played only online um i would love and this is a quick tangent way we talked about it a rotating ban list yeah where like every six months the ban list changes and or every three months you get Maybe something degenerate comes up. It exists for three months. Yeah, everybody gets to have their fun, then yeah. something else comes out. There's actually a format. It's called. Have you ever heard of Penny Dreadful? Yes. Yeah. There's. It doesn't have a rotated ban, rotating ban list. It has per a rotating se. legal list. It has a rotating legal list yeah. where the card has to cost a penny. Yep. At the time of like Instead, they pick a date. Yeah. 
and like, like that's like, the price that's set in season season conception they look at all the cards that cost a penny and that's what's legal for the next two months i don't know pick it yeah date. whatever however long it is i always like that kind of concept always intrigues me yeah way to kind of breathe life into some of these because oh, yeah. like you don't have to have you know you don't have to have a ton of new cards flood into legacy to make a change just just ban a couple cards out of some of the premier decks and make those decks a lot worse and be like well you know like like the police of the format delver's gone for three months everyone have fun and then like okay next on the next rotation delver's back but delver's missing you know drc so it's actually a weaker version of delver so you just keep things fresh with what's legal what do you get to play yeah the uh content creators would love it grinders would fucking hate it yeah (laughs) like oh yeah well there'd be there obviously you can't lump them all together, but the people who are serious about like winning tournaments would hate that because it's yeah. almost impossible to plan and they hate not being able to plan and practice for tournaments and whatnot. Yeah. Play test. But people who just play casually like Friday night magic be like, ah, or play online and just yep. use a rental service. Wouldn't have any issues with it. Yep. Content creators would fucking love it because yep. it would not only give you like a week's worth of content to talk about because you'd get to discuss every fucking change they make. But then like, you get to play for the next two months, three months, whatever, yeah. with the new decks. And then by the time it's starting to get stale, pops over and changes. Yep, new one. I would, I don't know if I'd like, I wouldn't mind it as legacy exists, this also exists. I would not want it to replace legacy, if yeah. that makes sense. Anywho. So instead of being penny dreadful, it's like 10,000 dreadful? Basically, yeah. <laughs> 10K dreadful? Yep. <clears throat> um. Now, this is the first time I have seen a battle in Legacy I in a top I, eight. I didn't think I would. I didn't either. But the only one that I could see is I have seen um, Spike in Modern do some work with the Alara invasion, mm-hmm. comboing it with Hexmage in large part because it can find Hexmage. Mm-hmm. So that card enters and you look at the top like seven and you can put like a fucking creature or land into play. Yeah. So a lot of times you cast Alara for Wurber. Get the Hex Mage and then get pop Hex the Mage tokens. and then immediately pop it and get the Alara trigger, which is like, you know, someone draws two, destroy a permanent, copy a thing. It's, it does a fuck ton. Anywho, this one is Invasion of Tarkir. So it's a two mana, one in red, uh, five. What's the. They're like invasion counters invasion or something. Invasion counters, whatever the hell it is. They're loyalty. It's loyalty yeah, it's for basically invasion. loyalty. Yeah. Five health. Five health, yep. Uh, battle Siege. So when it ETBs reveal any number of dragon cards, so DRC or Merktide. Not DRC. Or not DRC, uh, Sprite Dragon or Merktide. Yep. <clears throat> when you do, it deals X plus two damage to any other target where X is the number of cards revealed this way. So it's a bad shock with an upside. Yes. And then you have a five health battle that when you kill it or it dies, you get to flip nope. it into a but flying it does have to die it has to actually die yeah that's it, it, it's not you can't destroy it well that, that's what i mean like when it's dead but yes i was like just for people health, listening when you lose you you cannot assassin's trophy it yeah that doesn't work it has to lose all of its yes powers. yes it has to it has to receive <clears throat> five damage from something whether yeah. it be lightning bolt or a creature or one punch from murktide or murktide yes um it flips into defiant defiant thunder maw which is a 4-4 flying trample. Whenever a dragon you control attacks, it deals two damage to any target, so it's effectively a 6-6. Yep, and it makes all of your other dragons... Do the same thing. (laughs) Sprite dragon becomes real cool when it shocks when it swings. (laughs) So um, I'll be the first to say, I think this is someone trying something out. I don't think it'll stick. But 
we do have a precedent set for cards like this. Mm-hmm. Um, bone, uh, bone Crusher Giant. Bone Crusher Giant was a bit of a mainstay for a little while in Blue Red Delver. Yep. And that card was the exact same. Well, it was a worse version in my. It's, it was worse than this in my opinion in some ways. But you had a better shock than this because it was actually an instant. Yeah. Um, and that shock also came with the additional text that damage can't be prevented. Which, which does matter. Can matter, absolutely. Yep. But instant speed shock versus sorcery speed shock, huge difference. With a 4-3 staple on the back, this is a 4-4 staple on the back. I think that 4-3 was much easier to access than this one, but this 4-4 flying is much better. Yeah. It's a much better creature yes. attached to your shitty shock. It's a much worse shock yeah. with a much better creature attached to it. And to be fair to the shock, it's prob- it pretty frequently is going to be a lightning bolt. Like, it's not going to be uncommon that you have one of these. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. That you can reveal. It's like, you reveal a, a sprite dragon, and now it's yeah. lightning bolt. It's a two-mana lightning bolt. So it's, it's not pure downside, but most of the time, it's going to be a shock yeah. at sorcery speed for yeah, two. it's not great. It's a bad volcanic hammer. <laughs> Very bad. So And again, like, d- don't brush over the amount of resources that goes into... The idea, if you're going to consider that back as to be real, which you fucking have to, if you're going to honestly tell me you've got a, a fucking two-mana yeah, source you're, you're shock. you're planning on using that. Yeah. So what you're doing is you're taking the aggressive tempo deck and you're playing a card that essentially says my opponent gains five life. It, it, actually, five life plus. Because if you attack with a Merktide region, that's an 8-8, eight, eight, like they gained eight life. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of costs to that card that in my opinion on the back is... Okay, a four mana four four that when a dragon attacks, shocks. Now in the situation where you spend a chain lightning or a lightning bolt to flip it, you do get value right away because you get to possibly attack with a few dragons and get a few shocks. But the way the card is designed to be played and probably will be played a lot, it comes in and does nothing because you attacked to flip it. Yeah. Now um, the cool thing is they kind of chain together pretty well too. That's one of the things that I like about it is like you can use... If yes. I'm reading, the, you can use a second invasion to shock your first Defiant Thundermaw, or to or shock, shock your battle, to, re- to deal it two damage, and then punch it with fucking DRC or whatever. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, they, they kind of feed into each other. Yeah. You could cast your second invasion of Tarkir, doing two or three damage to the existing to invasion it. of Tarkir. Yes. Making it a little more feasible. But again, you're still... Like, you're committing resources to You're committing it. resources and you're giving your opponent life. And that's something that's very important to think about. Um, I've seen uh, playing a little bit more standard. They're, these battles are a lot more common in standard than anything else, yeah, obviously. Yeah. And um, I've seen a lot. <laughs> yep. Standard is where cards go to suck. Uh, I've seen a lot of situations where like aggressive decks are spending multiple turns trying to attack down their battles instead of trying to kill me. Mm-hmm. And like, I just. I, I don't I don't like this card in this deck. I'll be totally honest. The deck did great. The pilot did great. So shout out to Delthar. I don't like the card in this deck. I think battles are very at odds with what this deck is trying to do, which is run an aggressive tempo plan and get you dead quickly before you can build up the resources to beat it. And all an invasion does in that situation is it's like casting time walk for your opponent. Just here, have an extra turn. Yes and no. So it does assuming they answer the dragon. They don't even have to answer the dragon. I mean, so no, well, but what I mean though is so say now for the for argument's sake, I'm going to say you'd only deal at 5. Like Yep, that's fine. Because like if we're talking about an 8-8, eight, eight, then yes, sure. Then it, to be fair, I don't think any good opponent unless it was like 
obviously they, they had to, would swing an 8-8 Merc Tide at this battle. Yep. They'd go, oh, cool, punch. <laughs> but if you're in that situation where it is good to attack, yes, they're gaining life because you're dealing with the battle, but this one does, it doesn't turn into value. It turns into something that's going to take that life right back. Possibly, yes. What I mean is, if they don't kill it, it's going to. Like, it's a... It's so, a four four flyer. Like Yeah. Um it's because gonna, if you could attack into the battle in the first place. Yeah, so you presumably have but I'm saying like if you have a DRC and you attack your battle, your opponent gains three life. So here's here, let's run the run the math really quick. So you played one, let's say I think that I think a, a better case scenario would be you cast your second Tarkir to deal three damage to the first one. Sure. So I've gained two life. Then you use your DRC to attack it. I've gained five life total. You flip it into a four four. So I guess when that 4-4 attacks, for, so you've invested four mana into a 4-4, and you have atta- you to attack me for six. Six, yeah, because your, your DRC won't trigger it. So you gain all that life back. You Well, you gain the... Yeah. So if you get to untap with it, you do get all of your damage that you've invested back, plus one. And now you're still left with a... F- and you are mm-hmm. left with a 4-4 four, four that four, does four. buff the other team. Yeah. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that that's worth it. Yeah. But that is the reality of how it's going to... There's like, a there's a lot of opportunity. That's what they're trying to pull off. The problem is, it's going to be real easy to get blown out. That's exactly what I was going to say. Is there's a lot of blow-up potential That's there. when it goes correctly. Here's what happens when you actually do that. You swing at them, or you swing at this battle, as opposed to them. Yeah. And they... Swords to Plowshares, your Merktide region. Now, yep. it was going to happen anyways, but like now you're investing bad car, you're investing mana into bad cards and getting no payoff at all. Uh huh. Because now you've played a shitty ass shock. Yeah. And done nothing. Uh, can you imagine a world where, like, you do swing your six six Merktide at it? I'd let you kill it and then kill that. Yeah. So I just I just gained six life on that exchange. I guess I basically what, <clears throat> you healing salve, you double healing salve for one or triple whatever you mm-hmm. spent one mana to gain six. I don't know. I said, I just, and now obviously these are the games where you don't chase it down, but there's a lot of games where I, I, I would say, I would say most games in legacy actually come down to one turn. And that's, you know, for the most part, most legacy decks are relatively similar on power level. The games that matter, they come down to one turn. Mm-hmm. And that is where the difference of having a shitty four, a, a four of a shitty card in your deck or a plan that you committed to on turn two, that on turn four, you can't, you're torn with either getting any value out of it or possibly losing the game really changes how you evaluate those cards. Like I said, I, I mean the the deck won or the deck came in like fourth or whatever. <clears throat> Fifth. The deck did great. The deck is obviously very, very good. The, uh, Swiss. Yeah. I still don't think invasion of Tarkir belongs in a blue red shell. The w- w- one of the things that reminds me of more than anything, not in play patterns, but in like thinking as something like ledger shredder where like this is kind of like if I was going to do that, I'd be playing this more in the slower grindier thing, like trying to make sure I'm getting a payoff that Delver doesn't normally get, mm-hmm. which is kind of what they were doing with the slower kind of yeah. grindier uh, blue like, red decks to beat the other. Wouldn't good you Delver personally decks. just prefer three more chain lightnings from a competitive standpoint? Yes. Cards on the table. Nothing would make me happier than if this became the stock list because it's flavorful, it's cool, yeah. it's interesting gameplay, but yep. when we're talking about like competitive like whether or not we should be doing X Y or Z, I'm I'm with you. I don't Yeah. So again, I'll wrap I don't up, buy I'll wrap this. my thoughts. I'm not shitting on this deck card too much. The deck did well, but like 
this card in this deck reeks of best case scenario thinking to me. And if you're going to play a deck like Delver, I don't think you should be picking cards based on your best case scenario thinking. I I think a lot of, I bet you what a lot of this is, is people still scrambling to replace expressive iteration. Yeah, it's a two drop. It, we're Which, we're desperately is, trying to fill that two drop slot. The funny thing to me is like, I don't even look at it that way. Like, I don't know why everyone's first in- instinct is to replace it with a two drop because Delver, blue red Delver wouldn't want a two drop anyways. I agree. You know what, what they want? want is efficient, aggressive cards. More chain lightning. Right. Which is what I said. Yes. Yeah, that yeah, was, yeah. I was on the, I just throw in chain lightnings and enough preordains to fill out the deck and fucking go. Yeah. Um. So like, that's, that's kind of, kind of how I would play it anyways, but nothing would make me happier than a flavorful blue, red, full of fucking dragons. There's 12 cards in this deck that have dragon on their in their text that's yeah. awesome and a dragon like this has more dragon synergy than the fucking fake elf fiend artisan decks have elf elves. synergy <laughs> yeah this is more of a dragon deck <laughs> right. than that maverick elf list is an elf deck <laughs> right so like that i personally think it's really cool i hope i think that'd be w- i think blue red delver would, would be way more interesting with this kind of build if it was strong enough i personally don't think it's probably there but you also have the backbone of all these cards are fantastic, except Invasion of Tarkir, which is probably somewhere on the cusp of being legacy playable. I, like, for example, if this was an instant, that would be absolutely playable. Then it, yes, but yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I mean. Where it's it's one one piece of one small change. Yeah. Now again, the change from sorcery to instant is a, a big, big change. change. But like one change like that, and that yeah. card's there. Yeah, I would not be nearly as against if this was literally just stomp from Bonecrusher Giant. Another, another perfect change you can make this so this would be legacy playable in this deck as if it had three health. Yeah. Where all you needed was bolt. to punch it once with either a Delver or a Bolt. Yep. So you play Bad Shock, Bolt it, now you've got a 4-4. Four, four. <laughs> Something we kind of brushed over. There's no Delvers. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what Sprite Dragon kicked out. Yeah. Sprite Dragon came in and took Delver's spot. But yeah. I, I, so I'm, I'm good to wrap up on my yeah, opinions I mean, on it. I, I, think, I think I've bashed Invasion of Tarkir enough. It's to me, it's the some of the battles look cool, but I haven't seen any that I would like really think are going to be like going to be good enough currently out of the this crop of battles. Yeah. But I could be wrong there. That I don't one, think most of them flip into anything powerful enough. <laughs> that one's pretty good, though. It's effectively a six six is it's not good. I don't think it's good enough, but it's f- really fucking good. Mm-hmm. Doesn't get past a Merktide. It could in theory if the Merktide was small. It could at least trade. It could at least trade. Yeah. But I mean, Murktide isn't isn't always a 6-6. Six, six. That's true. It's sometimes an 8-8. Eight, eight. Yep. And sometimes a 5-5. Five, five. Or in theory, sometimes a 3-3. Three, three. Possible. But I mean... Well, Unlikely, the, but possible. The fact of the matter is, and we've talked about this before, Delver is perfectly playable as a 3-2 for one mana. It's just like, well, if push comes to shove, a 3-3 three, three flyer is a good creature. And if that's the only way I can cast mm-hmm. it... And yeah. I need to cast it, then I'll cast it. But you definitely don't want to. Yeah. Because it opens it up to even more removal than yeah, it's weak I, to. It's like it's not the way you should play it. Yeah. The game the game's definitely going very poorly. But you're gonna lose fifty percent of your game. Fifty percent of your games are going very poorly. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Anywho, next up we've got white red initiative. So I am pickled pink to see this in the top eight because I was really worried. That the band had like fully cleared this, yep, like it was gone, killed this deck, and once every couple of weeks seeing a deck pop up in the top eight just like 
it's now shuffled into the list of tier one, tier two decks that yeah. anybody can play if they want it to. Totally playable. Totally, totally playable. Okay. Don't need to fucking worry about it anymore. But cool. If you like, if you really liked initiative, cool. Play your initiative deck. Yep. And you can still do. I mean, again, six zero in the Swiss. Yep. So, um, that being said, nothing changed. <laughs> so we've got Archon of Ameria, Simeon Spirit Guide, Caves of Chaos Adventurer, Season Dungeoneer, Fury, Solitude. Four 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 four. Yep. Chalice of the Void, Chrome Mox, Lotus Petal, 444. <laughs> Enchantments, Fable the Mirror Breaker, and Touch of the Spirit Realm. So, like, the deck, this deck, we've talked about a million times. This list has not really changed at all. Nope. Other than the three drop that got banned. So, yep. and that, that three drop prison spot, however, has been seen some people been playing with that. Archon of Maria, in my opinion, is probably the strongest three drop prison piece to slam on turn one in mm-hmm. white, white or red. Um, Trinisphere is pretty good. Um, what do you think? Is Trinisphere better or is Archon better? If you're going to slam a thing on turn one to stop your opponents, neither of them impact. Well, Archon does impact you somewhat. Never mind. No, it doesn't. So Archon doesn't impact you at all. And Trinisphere doesn't impact you at all. For the most part, Trinisphere does hit your Chrome Mox, your Lost Pedal, and your Chalice of the Void later in the game. But if you've already gotten Trinisphere down, you're probably not that worried about it, but maybe you are. Yeah, they, um, and Archon can touch you. It's each player can't cast more than one spell a turn. But that's, yeah, but you're that's, again, your deck's not designed never, to do that, except for turn one. Yeah, <laughs> except for the first, the big one, which you cast her, her you cast her last, and you know Archon of Ameria kills your opponent. Yeah, that's Transfer doesn't. Like if I had to pick between the two, the the downside with Archon though is it dies far easier than Transfer. It's a lot it, easier to kill in theory. So it uh, let, let's let's look at it. Well, I mean, I let her the ceiling on the play. You slam this. They are probably two turns away from killing it with lightning bolt. If they can fetch a basic mountain, they can do it in uh, not next turn, not their turn, but the turn after. And you've made them fetch to a basic mountain. So very hard to answer. If they get to go first, then yeah, you could just dump all your mana into it and get it bolted. Yeah. In response, a, crack fetch. A lot Boom. of it just boils down to matchups. Like, um, I'd rather have Trinosphere against elves. Because it makes the deck fucking unplayable. <laughs> I think I <laughs> like it's god guess, awful. Yeah, which one's better? Is Archon better against Delver, or is Transphere better against Delver? Um, in the Archon's only gonna buy you a turn against Delver. Realistically, they're gonna yeah you you made their volcanic island enter the battlefield. Tap this turn, you punched him for two. Lightning bolt next. Yeah, you're right. Like Transphere is especially, a lot more reliable. Especially game one. Like game two, it gets a little trickier because Trinisphere, they usually have artifact removal. I forgot only. though. Trinisphere shuts off Solitude and Fury. Yep. I didn't think about that. It does. You don't get to Solitude and Fury unless you got three mana. Yeah. So that's, that price sways it. That's probably you've what swayed it. be careful. It. Yeah. yeah. You've, well, you've got, you've got serious punishment for playing Trinisphere on turn one now where you can't Fury them out of the game. You can't Fury Elves out of the game and you can't Solitude on, I can't Solitude your, um, your Merit Lage anymore. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, the rest of the deck we've seen before: sideboard swords, uh, containment breeze, rest in peace, fairy macabre, Lauren of the Third Path, and Magus of the Moon. So, like, pretty stock list, but happy to see it. Kind of going through the top eight pretty quickly. Nothing That's crazy this week. No, just I mean, the There's... funny thing is, this is something we've talked. Like, is this the third week in the row where it's eight different decks? Yep. Like, it's been very consistently great. Right, as far as the metagame goes. Now, a lot of people will complain that there's a, there's a fair bit of combo. 
and they're not wrong there. Mm-hmm. The the idea that Delver was the police of the format was 100% true. Yep. But, Which is part of the reason why we didn't want it to stop existing. Yeah. And you look at your metagame summary, it didn't stop existing. No, it didn't. Um, but but yeah, there I, has, the past couple weeks, there's been a fucking, t- yeah. it's been the Wild West of combo. You, you can't just ban the Wasteland Days Force of Will deck out of Legacy and hope everything works out great. Because it won't. We yeah. need something. I just, it needed to be but, a little worse. Needed a haircut. Anywho, 8cast is uh, 7th place. Let's see if there's anything new and exciting here. We've got Emery, Psy, Kappa Cannoneer, Thought Monitor, Force Will, Thoughtcast. I thought they had printed a, an old border Thoughtcast for a second because I like hovered over them really quick. I was like, yeah. oh, <laughs> got no. excited. Nope. The ugly-ass Force Will. <laughs> yep. Uh, Chalice, Lotus Petal, Bobble, Opal, Bobble. Doesn't look like anything new. Force Wills are cheap. What is force Wills are down to like, well, that's 80 70 bucks? 70 bucks? 70 would be... Yeah, seventy. But yeah, there's seventy bucks. Not bad. Not a bad time to get Force Wheels. They bought Assuming mine. they're not going to get reprinted again. Again, and they're fifty. Yeah. Let's see how how uh, how much Watsy's going to go to that well. They're like, well, this set sucks. Throw Force Wheel. <laughs> well, what's crazy is they print Force Wheel so goddamn often. It's la- it's legal in two formats. Mm-hmm. That's C play Commander, which no one likes it when you play fucking Force Wheel and Commander and Legacy. Yep. Which again, Watsy has informed me that nobody plays. Not enough people play. Yeah. I mean, it's their strict opinion that not enough people play Legacy to, for example, test for Legacy yeah. when they're printing cards. Enough people play Legacy for them to take a set, design it 80% around EDH, and then throw in some Legacy cards to yeah. make sure the set moves. Yeah, exactly. I <laughs> That's guess. basically what they do. They're like, oh, uh, yeah, throw Imperial Recruiter in it. Yep. <laughs> like- you know what'll help that self move? Uh, Painter Servant. That'll probably <laughs> right. That'll probably get that moving. God, please um, reprint Painter Servant. Let's see. Sideboard, pretty stock stuff. I mean, the numbers and what might change, but we haven't seen it. There's nothing here we haven't seen before. Yeah. So let's move on to the last one. Another deck we have not seen nope. in the top so eight it's funny. in a long time. I was just talking to I think Emperor a few weeks ago about how I'm pretty sure this deck isn't good enough anymore. Well, so what yep, I said I was. Uh, it was it's Death Shadow. Yep. And what I said is I don't think a dedicated Death Shadows list is playable anymore. I think you could totally run a like Grixis or Demir um, deck with Death Shadow, but in my opinion, and I was wrong, I would build a like Grixis um, Merktide deck that had Death Shadow and Shocklands in it. Now, um, MM underscore seventeen would have something different to say. This it's pretty stock. Death Shadow. Yeah, I don't it, see anything wild and crazy. It looks like really normal Death Shadow from like, <laughs> from like five years ago or whatever, like three years well, ago. The thing that it really looks like is Death Shadow before Murktide Regent. Yeah, because when Murktide Regent Death Shadow was still when that came out, it was still being played. Mm-hmm. And it just Death Shadow adopted Murktide Regent. Yeah, and in my opinion, the the it, and correctly did which. So yeah, this the deck, two Gurmag Anglers in this, to me... In that slot has a Gurmag Angler, which the only reason you run Gurmag Angler, in my opinion, is um, if you're playing in a snuff-out meta, which we were, but we're not anymore. We were playing in a world where every deck was, like, the best deck in the format was Grixis Delver because it ran two to four snuff-outs. And you're not in Grixis Delver anymore. You're not playing against Grixis Delver anymore. No one's running snuff-out except for you. So Gurmag Angler doesn't buy you that much over yeah, it's Merktide. It's basically just uh, Pyroblast is the big thing. Pyroblast, yeah. yeah. The other thing, that's the big one. 
That is true. And um, it's a good point that the only pyroblastable target in the deck currently is Baleful Strix. If you're not counting like spells, like yeah, you can't like brainstorm or force. Would you will, be but... happy if they fucking pyroblast your Baleful Strix most yes. of the time? By all means, Please. dude. <laughs> that's what that's, that was his job. Yep. His job was to go up a card. Yep. Cool. Done. Yeah, that was easy. And so. you didn't pyroblast my brainstorm. Yes. Um, so that is something that's you know probably gets packed into that where you know there are still a, a okay number of pyroblasts out there, and if you only have one blue creature with pyroblasting, that's the one that's gonna eat them. Yeah, so. it's still just for reference, it is still in 47% of the top 32. Yep. And I've seen usually you'll see anywhere from two to four in the sideboard, yeah. is what I've noticed. No more in the main. I'm not seeing them in the main anymore, but uh, they're pretty common in the side. Except for decks like Painter. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's, yeah, there's always going to be a couple that just naturally kind of run them. Yep, I don't count that. But as far but, as the we need to oppress one particular deck, yes. that shit's gone. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's the only really, for lack of a better word, controversial thing about this deck really is the Gurmags, uh-huh. in my opinion. Um, I just think to me, I'd rather just play to pay two mana instead of one and yep. just fucking cast a Merktide. Yep. Like I, sure, <laughs> it's just a better creature nine times out of ten. Do you think? You would even bring in your pyroblast against this deck. I don't think I would. There's... It depends on what else I had, because throwing them at the cantrips and being able to protect your stuff with against force wills has value. It depends on what your deck you're playing and yeah. whatnot, what the rest of it. Well, but was... as a just generic statement, pyroblast yeah. is not very good against this deck. Yeah. That's basically that's what, what I'm you're saying. saying. At. I don't bring in pyroblast just because my opponent has force of will, so I don't bring them in for that. I don't bring in, and I don't think I would bring in Pyroblast just because my opponent has the cantrips and Force of Will, for example. I don't know if I'd even bring in Pyroblast. Like if I was playing uh, Just Guy, you know, Just Guy Control, I don't think I would bring, especially against a deck like this, where like you're weakening your mana base. If you hadn't seen Gurmag Angler in game one, you'd probably bring him in because there's no way you're going to go, oh yeah, he's not playing Merktide. Maybe. Maybe that's the juke we're, we're missing. <laughs> yeah. Is that in the event that you win the game and don't see Gurmag Angler. Which, to just, be fair, there's only two. Because I would assume 100% he's got to be on Merktide. Right. Why so wouldn't you be? It's... Unless we're on open deck lists, I probably would assume there's Merktide. Yeah. And I might bring them in against for answers to Merktide. So to answer your question, if I had 100% perfect knowledge of the deck list, no, I probably wouldn't. But in a challenge. In a challenge where you don't. And I didn't see Gurm like if I saw Gurmag in game one, I would absolutely yeah, not bring him in. Clearly, that's again the- unless I was bringing him in to protect. For example, if I was show and tell, and I wanted to protect my combo yeah. from resolving, that's different. Yeah, very but different. as a removal spell against their creature sweet, absolutely not. Raising Borrower's not that good. <laughs> so I'm right there with you on that. Yeah. Um. So that's our top eight. I did want to mention this was just kind of funny. Yeah. So eighth place is Death Shadow. Ninth place is Death Death and Taxes. 10th place is Death Shadow, and 11th place is Death yes. Death and Taxes. Between 8 and tw- eight and 11 was a lot of death. Yeah, so that's just hilarious to me. Um, we haven't seen Death and Taxes or Death Shadow pop no, we up haven't. recently. Um, let's get these real quick. Still on Yorion. Yep, still on Yorion. Still on Timeless Dragon. Skyclave is back. Skyclave was gone for quite a while. Skyclave stuck ar- was around for Oko era, and in my, if I recall correctly, did not see a ton of play after Oko left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Skyclave is in both lists. Yeah, we don't have. To, I don't want to go on a deep dive on it, but uh, they do. Let's see. Well, here only just, one of them has the Trailblazer's Torch. That's that's interesting. Yeah. Now it is the what it is the Yorion list. Are they both Yorion? Yeah, they're both one? Yorion. So okay, the Yorion list definitely has room for it. 
But I say, if you're going to be running uh, Stoneforge Mystic, we've yeah. seen how powerful the initiative is. Yeah. Especially now that it's not everywhere where you can just be like, surprise, and <laughs> we're playing an initiative game. Didn't you know? Yeah, didn't you know? Well, and, and the cool thing about that is, like, you only have to get it if it's to your advantage. If not, you just get called your complete and beat yep. them to death. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, if you're not worried about squeaking out some inch, uh, incremental advantage, I'm just going to get a 5-5. Five, five, can't be killed. Every keyword in the yeah. existence. Yeah, keyword soup. Yeah. So that's our top eight. Um, metagame summary for the third week in the row. Other is the biggest category. A little misleading. It depends on are we gonna are we gonna stack is it Delver and Team or Delver? That's the decision we, we should make, but like Oh, I hadn't seen that. Yeah, if that we're is gonna true. stack if we're gonna stack now again, that puts the Delver package somewhere around twenty percent this week, which is a which is a bit high, but considering Delver's complete absence of domination for the last month, I'm very okay with. So one of the uh rug Delver lists is not rug Delver. I mean, it is, but it's not anything like... We wouldn't compare that. We wouldn't stack them. It's uh, got Uros and yep, Life from the Loam. So, like, that's a different deck. It is. It does still have Delver and DRC. Like, yeah, it's running some of the same cards, but it's that's a that's different, different enough. enough. Another actually has Uro and Minskin Boo with Life from the Loam. So, like, there, apparently there's a rug list that people are tinkering with. Gotcha. So, um, we'll really? say all three has Tarmogoyf. <laughs> have Tarmogoyf. Yes. I, know, I know you cannot see, listener, but Matt's getting double birds. <laughs> Um, so okay, if that's the case, then let's go ahead and leave them separate. Yeah, I honestly I think those are separate. Yeah, especially when you consider that the one of the blue red Delver lists was fucking different too. Yeah, we didn't even look at the others. I'm actually curious now that we're talking about it. I just well, want to see if there's anything else that's cool. You you take a peek at those. I'll run through these numbers really quick because yeah, sure. we do. We are gonna have a longer episode because we have a force the issue this week. Um, just in case Mono Wolf thought I forgot, I did not. So other at fifteen and a half percent with five. If we leave another them separate, one with Sprite Dragon, yeah. Is it Delver? And Invasion. Sorry. Oh, and me. the Invasions. Yeah, so people are testing that out. Gotcha. So those Is it Delver lists that are a little unique. We're looking at 12.5% with four. Then we've got Reanimator and that Teamer Delver list with Uro at 9.5% with three. And then a shit ton of two ofs. Like, <gasps> oh, Matt shit himself. It did it. Jake, it did it. Black Red Death Shadow with Scourge of the Sky Claims top 32. It did? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we called that like... What three Jake years and ago? I spent like two or three weeks trying to brew this deck, yeah. playing it through a oh, few weeks. Oh, longer than that. Like we've it's eighteenth punishing waterfalls. Holy shit! The four day, death shadow, four DRC. But when that when that card came out, we brewed up this list in Legacy and in Modern. Does it have Flame Rift? It does not. Okay, but the rest of the list looks very similar. Death Shadow DRC, which at the time wasn't out. Yep. So we absolutely would have put it in there to be there. Scourge of the Skyclaves, Grief, with w- which wasn't out, yep. and again, duh. Oh, of course. Street Wraith. Yep. We had in there. Lightning Bolt. Yep. Reanimate, we had. Yep. Thought Season Him, we had. Yep. I think we had, it's got one Teamer Battle Rage. Oh, yeah, of course we had We had that. We, I think we had more than one. We were but, a little heavier on it. Yeah, but we also had, there's like three cards that hadn't been printed yet when we yeah. did this. And then Snuff Out. And Lotus Petal and Mishra's Bobble, which yeah, that's, the bobbles are there because of the DRC, so obviously we wouldn't have bobbles in a yeah, DRC. The, the, the premise of Skycla- of Scourge of the Skyclaves being playable, we uh, we were there a year, two, three years early, whatever Whatever the been. fuck it came out, but that's super yeah, exciting. Like on release, we were, we were fighting to try and get a hold of copies to uh, play a league or two when it was released. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Anywho, conti- uh, I'll yeah, take just, over. Just, yeah, on the twos. Cool. So a uh, bunch of twos, not going to read them all. <laughs> Yeah. Bunch of twos and bunch of ones, basically. Like, I mean, Death Shadow, wide. Eight Cast, Painter, Lands, Depths, Control, Show and Tell, stuff like that. 
uh, most played cards, Force Will, Brainstorm, Ponder, Bobble, Mistress Bobble, um, and Surgical Extraction. Thank you for clarifying that it wasn't Urza's Bobble, because I was so confused. They do, well, uh, if I think, doesn't 8-cast run Urza's Bobble? That's There's the reason. No way. It does, yeah, it does. They run, oh, Mistress and Urza's? They run both, yeah. Oh, I didn't, I Not totally instead, missed that. They all they run them both. Mistress Bobble that. sees play everywhere. everywhere else, but Urza's Bobble does technically see play, so I want yeah. And in theory, you could see where that would happen, where if 8-class had somehow eclipsed... They stomped the meta. Yeah. So I did want to make that distinction. Um, top creatures, DRC, Murktide, Grief, Fairy Macabre, and Solitude. So, yeah. Top spells, Force Will, Brainstorm, Ponder, Mishra's Bobble, and Surgical Extraction. Been another great week, in my opinion, for Legacy. Pretty, Legacy's looking pretty sweet. I'm really happy with the band decisions they made, and um, I'll stand up and say that I was wrong. Apparently... Uh, banning iteration was enough. So thank you, Watsy. Yeah. Okay. Bump me over to modern. Uh, we'll try and go through modern a little quicker. Um, it's easier because modern's kind of boring, but also because we do want to save some time at the end for our force, the issue, just in case, I, in case you've never heard of your new listener um, on the Patreon, we do have some of those higher tiers. You have the option to what's called force, the issue where you can basically, as long as it's relatively magic related, you can basically make Matt and I talk about something so you can, you know, spend your money to make us discuss, uh, like for this week, we have an interesting card evaluation on a couple new cards. One of them's brand new and one of them came out in the last year or two. So we're going to be evaluating those side by side and seeing what we, what our thoughts are on them. Uh, which modern tournament are we doing? I was looking at, uh, 430. Okay. The one that Merktide won. Cool. So a little bit, a little bit ahead of schedule there, but Merktide region brought it home with TZO. Oh no, I'm shocked. Merktide region's... <laughs> All over modern I, again. Uh, I didn't read it, unfortunately. I need to read it. Um, oh, Emperor put a cool thing up in our Discord. I'll see if I can find it. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll give a shout to who did it. Um, but somebody like, what was it? So uh, that's not, not it. Somebody posted like a guide or a thing where it's who's who did he say? Modern Nexus did a statistical analysis to prove that Merktide is the best deck in what he called a convincing fashion. Mm -hmm. I haven't read it yet. I haven't looked at it. I'm super sorry. But, you know, we've been talking about how Merktide is just this omnipresent, super powerful deck that's hyper prevalent in the top eights, but on paper hasn't had an oppressive win rate. So we're, you know, it's, it's kind of this weird spot of like, does it need banned? It's, it's definitely really popular and it definitely is probably a little overrepresented. Our, we're a little skewed in how we view things. It's like, it's not even at 30% a week. So what's, is it right. really bannable? But apparently there's some science to back up that Merktide might legitimately be just the best deck in modern. Um, but this one does have a little bit of spice where we have two Dragon Rage Channelers instead of four. We do have four Ledger Shredders and one Season Pyromancer. Sorry, and paired with only two Merktide Regents. So trimming on two DRC, two Merktide Regents to help find some room for four Shredder and one Season Pyromancer. Um, obviously, we're going to have some trimming in the spell suite there. It looks like we only have three counter spells. To find a little bit more room for some creatures. Um, beyond that, though, beyond like some 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 definitely new creatures, like Ledger Shredder being a full four of, and the Season Pyromancer. There's nothing else really going on in this deck that's crazy. Not in the main, at least. Um, spell snares, spell pierces, heats, counter spells. Uh, your sideboard is also pretty stock. Um, down to only one Orvar, the all form, which you know we do have a, a couple creativity lists in the top eight. And that has directly coincided with Orvar's uh, reduced play in sideboards, which means like just like in, you know, reanimator, like 
once creativity gets too good again, we'll just all start putting three Orvars on our side and be a lot less afraid of a turn four creativity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but do you see anything in here that's particularly noteworthy? Mm, not really. Okay. So next up, we've got, um, uh, interestingly enough, so Azorius Control, but no Kahira. And there's no Kahira literally for one Timeless Dragon. I'm not going to lie. I'd rather have Timeless Dragon than Kahira. <laughs> you think so? I, I fucking love Timeless Dragon. Oh, the card's great. Yeah. But you you would rather have, in, in your control deck, a, another creature in the deck versus a, another creature in your command zone. Uh, Realistically, probably. I, I've always been of the opinion that the... One, I'll preface this by saying companions suck and they should all be banned. Yes. As a mechanic, I, it should never, it should be uninvented, just like nuclear weapons. Yep. But it can't be, just like nuclear weapons. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, I think sideboard slots and control decks are probably given a little too, given too little credit. And I think losing a sideboard slot for a mediocre creature that you're probably almost never going to actually use matters. And is probably like, I don't know. I think that's a real cost in a control deck. In, okay. In a in a reactive style deck, you do need to make sure your answers line up with their threats. And having just a kind of a bullshit creature, even if it is an extra card, like that's not how you're planning on winning the game, anyways. Like it's oh, not I like would, you're playing. I would kind of disagree with that. Well, what I mean though, having a dude. Yeah. Like by the time that card's good. Yep. You've basically already won the game. That's the only time you ever... Yes, but you do have to win the game. Yes, I know. But they have... There's a million other ways to do that that don't take up a card in your sideboard. So this deck has two more than is normal. Because traditionally in this deck, you see four solitude and that's it. The And, and, I, and I mean literally, that's the only... Well, and a Jace. Jace is, Jace is wishy-washy. So you've got... Jace can win the game. Solitudes can win the game. But normally, when you only have Jason Solitude, those are the only ways to win the game. So you could say the answer, you know, the alternative would be usually you see five fairy. Uh, you only see one of them in this deck. Usually you see more. Five fairy doesn't win the game. Mm-hmm. You can ultimate five fairy five times. Like, honestly, you'll probably deck yourself before you before you win. Well, to be fair, they almost always have Hall of the Storm Giants as well. Uh, that's true. They do usually have a way to actually beat you to death. Yes. So they have Hall. Yes. Um. But like I was like, the number of win cons is usually very low. The win and the way these yeah, decks yeah, win yeah. is, you know, they they win usually through sanity points, where like your opponent concedes. But like, well, and basically what I'm getting at is all that card really buys you is the ability to effectively tutor out of tutor it out of your deck. Yes, the odds that you're going to need to are pretty slim because the game's going to go long. You have some selection. You've got some threats between planeswalk, like the like the odds that like that card in particular, yeah, so matters is very slim. So we're comparing it to Timeless Dragon mm-hmm. or or subtlety, really. <clears throat> um, oh no, no, we're playing Timeless Dragon. They exclude each other. So we're, we're comparing it to Timeless Dragon. So a three two. So we can we agree that ninety mo- percent of the time when either one of these creatures is on the battlefield, they're swinging in every turn safely what's the other one do exactly i don't remember uh, i believe text. kahira gives the creatures of the types it supports which is elementals cats whatever plus one plus one and vigilance so it does make your it makes your solitudes <clears throat> way better it does make your solitudes better 
Um, you do get some value there, some added value. I would agree. Was that, I correct? Plus one, plus one in vigilance. Uh, it has vigilance. Uh, each other creature you control that's a cat, elemental, nightmare, dinosaur, or beast gets plus one, plus one, and has vigilance. Yes. Okay. So it makes them a decent bit better. But under the assumption that a control deck, by the time you are going for that, we have leveled the board out. We have gotten in control. We just need something to kill our opponent. Then Timeless Dragon and Kahira aren't that much different. A 4-4 flyer, a 3-2 on the ground. One extra damage is relevant, but not... Well, to be fair, it's one less turn. Um, sometimes. If we're, start, if we're starting on the premise of... I mean, yes, if yeah. we're starting on random numbers. But if we're starting on 20, it's one less turn. It is. Timeless Dragon is frequently going to be a 5-5, five, five, not a 4-4. Four, four. Why is it a 5-5? Five, five? Because you plane cycle it and then eternalize it. Er, That's a 4-4. Four, four. So, sorry. It starts out, I was thinking, in reverse. If you just play it, it's a 5-5. Five, five. And that's true. It, it does have the possibility of top-decking into a 5-mana five 5-5. Five, five. But if you're, talk, if you're comparing it as a 4-4 four, four versus the other one, then you have to talk about the value you got from being able to cycle it. Yes. Which and you now, you're, now you're now even on cards. Sort of. Yeah. Because you're getting the the free card from Kahira and you're paying two yeah. you're getting a free card you, you from can, Timeless you can Dragon. pay two mana to draw or you can pay two mana to draw on a land or three mana to draw a Kahira. Yeah. Very notably, uh you do open the uh, Timeless Dragon up to Graveyard Hate, which yep. is relevant. Although I don't think most people would be bringing in much Graveyard Hate against Probably against this deck. So at that point you're like sweet. <laughs> yeah. Very minimal hate there. Yeah. Um so yeah, you're not going up up or down on cards. Um but what you are going up on is the ability. You can never tutor Timeless Dragon out of your deck. You can't. You can tutor. And when you only have six ways to kill your opponent. Technically Jace. So seven. So you've got. Because Jace, Jace can kill your opponent. So you've got six creatures. Yes. In theory. Yes. All the Storm Giants. That's seven. Seven. Jace. Eight. And two Eight. Shark Typhoons in the list. Nine, ten. Yes. Ten's not bad. Ten's not bad. Delver runs 13. Yeah, that, that, I don't. I don't love that comparison because Delver also gets Brainstorm, Ponder, and DRC. This deck gets memory well, no, damage. No, what I'm. Con I mean, you can compare it to Merktide Regent, who we just said yeah. they typically run DRC, Ragavan, Merktide, and one, one. They usually have between twelve and thirteen. Yeah, creatures. That's true. That's like that's and how they, many of those decks. And run. they only get consider. That's not yeah. really you know countable. And they're planning on the game going much shorter. Like that's the weight. One, you do get some more card selection. Like, if you got Jace, you're cantripping. <laughs> yeah, but also but keep like, in mind, so those decks that have, um, well, I don't know, like, they are they have, uh, you know, they only have 13 creatures, but the top end for that deck is an 8-8. Mm -hmm. uh, even um, even Ledger Spider quick, quickly outscales most of the creatures in this deck. So while they do have a similar number of threats, their threats are probably a lot better. Yeah, but the good ones die. Like if this if this game's going according to plan, that's and that was going to be one of the things I like about Timeless Dragon over Kahira is there's going to be a lot of times where you just cast Timeless Dragon and it stonewalls a DRC mm -hmm. and Kahira you play it and she sits there and you get beat to death with flyers. Like yeah, but if this deck is letting a DRC through, no. But what I'm talking about, we're talking about percentage points here, and that's just another that's a tick in the column. Where the other thing to keep in mind is. It's a, in my opinion, a more resilient threat because you can very easily just cast it, and then when it gets killed, mm -hmm. you play you it, cast again. it again. So it's kind of like one and a half ways to kill your opponent. Don't get me wrong; I love Timeless Dragon too. Card's amazing. I have, I think I have three of them. So you've invested a dollar twenty into Timeless yeah. Dragons. <laughs> I just, no, I, I just, think I love when cards are cheap. That's all. Oh I'm yeah, me too. There. Um, but I, I don't know. I think, I think. 
well, you might be underestimating it because you you value how you value sideboard slots. I don't value the single sideboard slot that highly, the individual one, although your reasoning is good. I just really think that the value of just a creature in the sideboard. Um, the other thing I don't like about this card is it dies to lightning bolt. Yes. And at that point, you spent six mana yes. to eat a lightning bolt. And Something it also sucks. does that is super relevant that does come up super often is you can pay three mana to have a solitude pitch. Yeah. Yep. Um, that is huge. And that's in legacy. That's, that's another tick in its column. It's a huge, it's sure. a huge tick where you can just. That's well that death and taxes does that with Yorion quite yes. a bit. Where you get to have, you get to just have three mana and then make your solitude a one for one. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you're not wrong. I, clearly you're not wrong. Well, the to me, the big thing is whenever we're considering this, it's clearly not an obvious case. And that's mm-hmm. all I'm getting at. I think a lot of this is, we talk about it all the time, it's going to boil down to personal preference and meta expectations. Yeah. Where like... There is there is one um, very real thing, and that's you don't have to tell your opponent you're on blue-white control. Yep. And that's a huge... That's probably the biggest factor yeah. among any of them. Game because one, cool. Uh, if I want to use this card, I have to go, yeah, I'm playing blue-white control because who the fuck else plays this? No one plays the hero. <laughs> At least with Yorion, there were like three decks playing Yorion. Yeah. So yeah, you had to- some... Yeah, but no, it's... You have to look at your opponent and tell them exactly what deck you're playing. That was, I tell you honestly, that was the best thing. That was literally the best thing about uh, Legacy mm-hmm. during the Companion era was we just started the game off by telling yep. each other what we're doing. Yep. Pseudo open deck lists, guys. <laughs> yeah. Because at that point, the meta had become so fucking stagnant anyways. It's like, yeah. oh, that's what your deck is, huh? Well, it's like, but when you reveal Gyruda, I know exactly what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And when you reveal... Um, Luris. Luris, I'm pretty sure I know what you're doing. When you reveal the fucking fox that makes things cheaper, like I know, I know exactly what you're doing. Like we just started the game off being like, I'm doing this, you're doing this. You could almost just oh, like just show each other our hands and been like, uh, yeah, you win. Mm-hmm. You got me. Uh, no, yeah. oh, you're playing that. Yeah, I'm definitely. Gonna, uh-huh. I forget. Do you get to do that before Mulligan? The, before. You have to, yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, I just yeah, wanted to make sure make, before you I get said to that. make your mulligan decisions. You'd be like, oh, you're playing that? You fuck this hand. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So that's that's very relevant. Um, beyond that 30-minute discussion on a card that isn't even in the deck. Yeah, but it's relevant. Uh, you, you do have one subtlety, which is a also kind of a rare addition you don't usually see in these decks. Uh, but it makes sense. It's just a free counterspell. Uh, you've got two of the three fairy, one Jace, one five fairy. What's so funny, Matt? <laughs> the next deck is running Kaira. <laughs> Every time we say anything, we're immediately yep. wrong. <laughs> immediately. <laughs> and it's nothing like control. It's uh, mono green. Your pretty standard, um, pretty standard spell suite for blue-white control list. Oh, the most interesting cards in the spell suite here is going to be actually two hallowed moonlights in the main. Hallowed Moonlight is usually relegated as a pretty strong sideboard card for Graveyard Hate, and then run, but running a two mana Graveyard Hate, eh, basically Graveyard. It's it's not quite just Graveyard Hate, but it's mostly Hallowed Moonlight is until the end of turn if a creature would enter the battlefield and it wasn't cast exile it. So it is anti Cascade Hate. And the along- uh, what's, do you cast the thing off Indomitable Creativity? Do you technically cast it? I don't think without so. paying its cost, or is it just put it into play? Put it, put it into play. Gotcha. So it's it's creativity hate, it's graveyard hate, it's cascade hate. Um, minor but valid. It's also Urza Saga hate. Mm-hmm. You could uh, f- uh you could cast it in response to them activating their Urza Saga, and it exiles their Urza Saga tokens. So and it cantrips, and huge. it cantrips. So the the floor of it's pretty low. It basically cycles for two. Mm-hmm. 
And we've seen a lot of cards in Magic that when their floor is it cycles for two, like Dress Down. You see Dress Downs in the main all the time. Now, Dress Down probably has a little bit more um, flexibility than this card, but the fact that it cycles for two, you can always just go, oh, yeah, you know, end of your turn or uh, your second main phase, I'm going to cycle my Dress Down, yep. draw a card. So, speaking of, we've got Dress Down, Leyline Binding, of course, Shark Typhoon, and then your lands, obviously a pretty morphed, disgusting mana base to enable, you know, Leyline Binding in a two-color deck. As I was talking to Sarah and I, once in a while, we'll go deep into a magic topic. She's not as versed, but she likes talking about magic sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's like how explaining how mana bases are fake now. And like they just are. Like when I see a two color deck running Leyline Binding and a five color mana base, it's because mana's fake or yeah. mana bases are fake. If you've got fetch lands, they are. They're pretty fucking real in Pioneer. Yeah. That's, I was telling her, and I, I, I think you're agreed with me. Like I know DC agrees with me where if they ever put fetch lands into Pioneer, I'd probably stop playing. Yeah. If they unban them. I own all of them. I'd probably stop playing. Like, oh, the fa- format would be way worse. My favorite part about Pioneer is like, it's it mana bases matter. It's hard to make a good mana base. And playing with fetches is fucking obnoxious. Anyway. I know. I just thought like, you know how crazy it is you can play a game where you can just go draw, play, draw, play, draw, play. We don't. We'll go an entire game and no one shuffles a deck. Mm-hmm. It's great. I love it. The most you're gonna see is scrying to the bottom. But yeah, uh, in the sideboard, ton of one ofs. Very. Either a very scatterbrained or very refined sideboard. And based on its position in the top eight, I'm going to assume a very refined sideboard full of one ofs and two ofs, silver bullets, you know, a couple Dovin Vetoes, Sanctifier and Vex, an Emrakul for Mill, Chalice of the Void, Flusterstorm, March of Otherworldly Light, just tons of all over the place. Like Matt was saying, very specific answers to problems. And, you know, picking up that Kahira does cost you one of those answers that could be very relevant. So next up, uh, this is a deck that we have not seen, I don't think. Nope. <laughs> but it's running Kahira. So we do have a Kahira. <laughs> because Which the in only... our defense, there's no fucking way we're going to see this coming. No, didn't plan on this. So um, it's labeled as blue-green because it has four swan song in the side. This is a all-in on Cultivator Colossus deck. So we have Kahira in the side because we have four Grazer, four Cultivator Colossus. In our main board, we've got four Summoner's Packs to find the Colossus, um, Ancient Stirrings to find your Bounce Lands, so things like Golgari Rot Farm, uh, uh, Selesnia Sanctuary, Simic Girl Chamber, those typical, um, I just forgot what his name is. Primetime. Primetime Lands. Finale of Devastation, where when you've got tons of mana, oh, sorry, did not jump the shark, for Amulet of Vigor as well. So yep. once you've got tons of mana to go get the Cultivator Colossus, and four... Journey of Discovery. I don't know what this card does. Two and a green for a sorcery. Choose one. Search your library for up to two basic land cards. Reveal them and put them into your hand and shuffle. Or you may play up to two additional land cards this turn, or you can entwine it for three. Well, we know what that's there for. Uh, there's no way mm-hmm. you're casting that to go get two that's, of your you're four not forests. Paying three for a real shitty Kodama's Reach. Yeah, no, you're paying three for, for a summer shitty, bloom. shitty Summer's Bloom. <laughs> Which yes. is banned. For a reason. Yep. So obviously that does. Interestingly enough, it only goes one mana positive with one amulet of vigor, but we both know that these decks don't really kick off until you have two amulets. And when you have two amulets, that they card generates, bonkers. what, two, four, six, eight. You're going up five mana, which is pretty insane. Uh, one expedition map, and then the the lands you would expect to see, the newest addition being 
for Mycosynth Lattice, which after seeing this card in action in these um, decks is fucking bonkers. Mm-hmm. Being able to get one amulet. Oh, I didn't say, I'm sorry. The Ancient Strings will also find you your amulets. Um, but getting an amulet and being able to just Mycosynth at the end of your opponent's turn to make two is absurd. And sometimes a third mm-hmm. <laughs> is absurd. And especially just the fact that also you can... Like, if you have extra land drops, which sometimes you don't, but sometimes you do, where you can just play it, at, immediately turn it into a tapped Amulet of Vigor, and then go off. Mm-hmm. The amount of mana you have is crazy. Um, I'm really I'm really kind of excited and happy to see people playing with the Cultivator Colossus Amulet Shell and just cutting primetime out entirely. And especially on top of that, seeing success, seeing very real success. That's pretty awesome. In the sideboard, uh, you've got a couple of Besejus for answers. Uh, four Swan Songs, again, just for some little bit of interaction you might need. Yep, couple, and you don't give a fuck about the 2-2. Who, yeah, who cares? <laughs> a couple Dismembers, a couple Endurances, and three Tyrannix Rex as a great plan B. If you're going to have a bunch of fucking mana, it costs the exact same as Cultivator Colossus. It's kind of like the Progenitus, where if you don't have the intense synergy of Cultivator Colossus and a bunch of lands out to draw a bunch of cards and play a bunch of lands... and can just pay seven and win the game. Just make an make an eight eight that'll attack your opponent two to three times and kill them, and is very hard to answer. Well, I mean, just looking through the list, there's a couple, but like without going too deep, the only deck that can obviously deal with the Tyrannus Rex is the blue white control list. Yeah, the rest are getting hit by that ward cost, and that yeah. makes it way harder. Ward four is hard. Yeah. It takes a lot. It's Ward four kind of reduces it down to solitude because any, most of this, any spell that he's playing modern that can deal eight damage or kill a creature with eight toughness, it's gonna, it costs it, if, either it costs it's too like much. Terminate. Or, okay, pay six. Yeah, it costs too much. It costs probably too much. By the time you can pay six against this deck, you're probably, you're probably, you're too probably late. dead. Probably yeah. too late. Because, yeah, like, keep in mind, like, this isn't prime time, but prime time's notorious for winning on turn three sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't quite as streamlined as prime time, I'll bet, but I bet it's close. Fourth place, Rakdos Scam is here again. Uh, Ragavan, Dothy, Kroxa, Season Pyromancer, Grief Fury. Uh, we do have an invasion that I've seen. Um, I, I saw Spike playing this a bit, and the invasion does seem very, very good. This is what I think it is. Yes. So it's the Sorcery Speed Edict. It's an edict. And so edicts on their face aren't that bad. A two-mana edict, totally playable. Yep, diabolic. Then, uh, it's sorcery speed, yes. but diabolic edict has yep. been seen play it, forever. It'd be similar to like a Chainer's Edict <clears throat> mm-hmm. with no flashback. Well, it's on very the, similar to Chainer's Edict because while you're not getting the the second, the st- casting, second edict, you are getting the backside of the card. Yes. So it flips, so for reference, sorry. Invasion of Asgall, uh, black-red for a four-life invasion. Uh, when it eats, when it enters a battlefield, target player sacrifices a creature or planeswalker and lose one life. Yeah. So uh, closer to a Shieldrix edict, yeah. sort of. They get the choice. Um, on the backside, and this is where the backside, in my opinion, isn't terribly impressive. Uh, it's a two-one with menace. At the beginning of your end step, put a plus one plus one counter on Ashen Reaper, which is the name of this card. If a permanent was put into a graveyard from the battlefield this turn. So hypothetically, if you can play it and flip it, you get to you get to trigger it immediately. Um, worth mentioning, when invasions flip, they exile. They don't ever go to the graveyard. So it doesn't and it doesn't necessarily trigger itself if you didn't play it this turn. Um, it does trigger off fetch lands, but it only triggers at the end of your turn. Mm-hmm. 
So when I saw this card, because I was thinking about it with some pioneer implications, especially because I have a pretty powerful black red sacrifice deck. Yeah. And I was just so underwhelmed with the backside that I decided if, if I was going to play like something like that, I'd rather just play Sheldred's Edict because Sheldred's Edict gives you a lot more control over what they sacrifice. Sheldred's Edict is they sacrifice a token, a non-token or a planeswalker and you pick one. Whereas this, you can sacrifice your five fairy or your shark typhoon token, pick one. Like that's um, a lot weaker in that respect. And I just personally, and I've been shitting on a lot of cards at top eight today, apparently I don't, I don't think the two one on the backside of this that does grow very slowly is worth giving your opponent for life. And not to mention, like, so an important thing to think about. So with, with this scam deck, you've got things like, you know, Fane, Death, and uh, Undying Malice. Yeah. A Grief does kill it. Usually you're going to you're gonna scam Grief. It comes back as a four. It does kill it nice and cleanly. Nor, But also keep in mind, you might have scammed in a Fury. And so you're going to give your opponent eight life. You're going to dedicate a Fury in order attack. to get a 2-1. To get a 2-1 that might grow I don't know. Well, and fuck, my even opinion, if you accept the fact that it grows, it's going to take three unblocked turns in order to make up that life. From yeah, a fury. it's a lot. It's I again, I'm not and I'm I'm not a huge fan of of most of the invasions. And that's why it's, all the invasions we've seen, in my opinion, were designed very well in that they are all just overcosted worst version of cars that exist, which is great because they have they have stuff on the back and that's it has to be like that. Um, but the problem is the stuff on the back hasn't compensated for how much overcosted and kind of mediocre the cards on the front are. So for that reason, I'm not a huge fan of Invasion of Asgol. Yeah, I uh, no, I don't really just looking at this thing and I like what it does. Like, I like the idea of all these cards being effective two for ones, sort of like I hate. See, I disagree with them being two for ones. Well, you didn't let me finish because that's what I was going to get to. Because one of the things I don't like is something like the adventure thing. They are just two-for-ones. Yes. This, they're two-for-ones if you put in some effort to them. Yep. And I, Which is how you would balance the adventures. Because the adventures yeah. were clearly, as far as like, I don't want to say they were broken, but like as far as standard, they absolutely just oh, shit yeah. all over standard. Like Brazen Borrower. They had all kinds of problems uh, in Pioneer. The, the Wishing Fae or whatever, right, like, the Stomp card. So... Because I, I I I absolutely consider target opponent gains for life as like that's close to a card. Oh, for sure. Like that's it is well, it depends on what kind of deck it's in. Like, I mean, Swords to Plows Plowshares is the epitome of that yes. point to the the opposite, yeah. where it's just like, yeah, I'll sword your shit because I'm playing in a deck that it doesn't matter. It doesn't which yeah, I don't like, care. Sure. But in this deck, your life total absolutely fucking matters. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I'm again I'm with you. I I just want I don't know why I want these cards to be good because I don't like the idea of another no, mechanic. I think we can agree though; they're designed well in a, in a vacuum in terms yeah. of making cards. They have a cost; they they require effort. It well, and one of the things it does is they're it not puts, clearly broken. That's for sure. It puts a unique spin on the game where um, it forces you to make really or very real decisions. What am I attacking? Is it worth it to attack this and get another creature that, you know, to, it'll it'll extend my clock, but possibly shorten it if things work out? Yeah. Um, I think invasions, which I agree with you, I'm not a huge fan of just, uh, you know, fucking new. Yeah, more shit. Uh, stuff into the format, new card types and new uh, implications. But I think they did a good job with these in terms of balance for them and in terms of introducing new and interesting decision trees into lines. Yeah. into the game it's kind of one of those things where like clearly there's a couple cards that are on the cusp of seeing play because they're 
they're doing well. But again, you can, we've said this a million times where you can chuck, you can replace one good card with a mediocre card and yeah, an otherwise easily tier one deck and still do well yeah, with it. I think like, Delver could easily draw three unplayable cards a game and probably have a good chance of winning. Well, right. let's, say, let's say Iteration Delver. But yeah. a lot of these tier well, one decks. they're not even unplayable. They're just not, probably yeah, not good suboptimal. enough. Suboptimal. Yeah. Because like, I mean, it's a shock. I mean, shock is definitely let's, suboptimal. But Let's like, put it this way. Do you think Delver could draw three Lava Spikes in a game and still be fine? Yeah. And like lava spikes, well, pretty fucking bad compared to lightning. The bowl. fact of the matter is, Delver could realistically just draw shock. Yeah. The, f- the fact of the matter is, two damage in Legacy is very similar to three damage in yeah. Legacy in a lot of scenarios. Yep. It kills every fucking elf. It kills yeah most things in the uh, mirror. But just like, this premise of like you could take a traditional card, you could replace it with a much worse version, mm-hmm. and yeah, a couple of them, it's not going to ruin the deck. Sneak through. Yeah. You're, it's still going to so be okay. It's kind of one of those things where, like, I want to see where we're at in six weeks. Yeah, I'm where, like, I, I'm people... judging these so harshly because this is the first time we're seeing them. Yeah. People are playing with them. They're experimenting with them. They're still new. They're getting my they're getting the full front of my judgment on them because I think we talked about I, and you guys know because you this we don't go over spoilers. I don't look I used to. I don't have time. I don't go especially through every... when whole sets are being spoiled early. Hey, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that too loud. The fingertips will show up. <laughs> they better not. <laughs> they will not get the same welcome in this yeah. house. <laughs> we had a, a little Discord discussion. It was like, could you, one of our patrons, I think it was Emperor, was like, could you imagine, or could you believe they did that? And I'd be like, yeah, that conversation would have gone, come back with a warrant and a real cop. Right. Slams door. <laughs> anyway, um, I don't go through all the spoilers. I don't have time. I don't look at every single card. And so I look at the cards that filter through and they make it in. And then I judge them on their merits, how I feel in the deck. And looking at these cards, I don't think they're worth their slots. Not. Yeah. And they're not off by a mile, but I don't think they're worth their slots. Like, like, like we saw Mercurial Spell Dancer is a great example. Mercurial Spell Dancer in Legacy clearly wasn't an unplayable, terrible card. But we looked at that and went, that's too janky. And that takes too much work for how powerful Legacy was. And turns out. A month later, card's fucking gone. Yep, same thing with the... We haven't seen the fairy pop up again. Nope. Um, Although I will well, tell it's you... It's had only been a week. I have to... Uh, I think that card is better than the uh, the spell dancer. I have sure. to tell you that I ended up playing against that on Arena, mm-hmm. and the card is much more annoying to play around than I gave you credit for. It, I was going to say... like, um, it's, I it's, found myself in a position playing Grixis in Standard <laughs> that I had to make a lot of decisions I did not like... The game quickly revolved around me killing that, so I felt comfortable casting the spells I wanted to cast. Yeah. So I will give you credit that you evaluated it better than I did um, in that you... I, it was more of a nuisance than I thought. Um, the difference would be a, a bit... Uh, in Standard, there is nothing like that. Yeah. It is a very unique effect, uh, but I was, I was feeling it. Mm-hmm. I was feeling it in my bones playing well, against just, that card. It's brutal when, like, if... If you're playing a deck that plans on multi, uh, like drawing more cards, yeah. like you're just like fuck. The whole point of this is to gain an advantage by drawing extra cards, and I'm yep. not doing that it, anymore. This is standard, <clears throat> but like it mucks with Fable really well. Mm-hmm. It mucks with the top yeah, end of oh, that deck. Fable's got to be brutal because like it, you're not even netting cards on Fable. Yep. Um, well, the top end of my deck is Invoke Despair, mm-hmm. which usually involves you sacking a couple, you sacking one or two things, and me drawing two cards. But like a lot of that value gets lost when you're drawing two cards with me at least one extra card with me. Um, it makes blood tokens a lot more awkward to use. <laughs> yeah. Like a, a strategy of like Grixis <laughs> is you'll kind of play the game and accumulate blood tokens so that in the mid to late game, I can be like, I have like three redraws. Yep. You're like, Oh, this card sucks. This card sucks. This card sucks. Can't do that anymore. Time to dig four deep. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it, 
I mean, it, you can, but now they're going up on cards. At least a card. They get yeah. one card. But I mean, it just, it like, again. Well, if you spread them out, they don't. Yeah. So now I, you're if, forced, like I said, I you're, felt it. It's I felt forcing it. your opponents into making suboptimal plays. Yes. Yeah. And so I meant to tell you that on Monday and I forgot. Uh, we, we always own up to stuff. And it's like, Matt, you were way. I still don't think it's that good. Um, but it's way closer to you than me. Well, to me, it's it's one of those things, and this is kind of what I was getting at last week, is the card is fine. It's a matter of whether it's good enough for Legacy. Yeah. When you're talking about, is it is is it one of the best 150 cards ever printed? Probably not. Yeah. Because that's what Legacy effectively that's is. That's what you, yeah, you have, you have to be playing. So, but it is testable, and that's what I, yep. I would say the same thing about the Mercurial Spell Dancer. Yeah. Same thing about that dragon that fucking dragon battle this card is testable like these cards where they they cost one or two and they're kind of on the cusp Fuck, like just we talked about fucking throw it in there yep. it could be the next thing like yep but it could also just suck yep. but more than likely it's just going to be mediocre and you're going to go yeah i'd rather have fucking a second culligan's command than this yeah it was definitely better than i than my grave credit for we're going to wrap this up. Um, we're going to finish it quickly because we got to do a whole other segment still. So the rest of this deck. More arguing. <laughs> yeah. The rest of this deck doesn't really have anything um, new in it. One K command. That's You don't see K command as often in these scam decks, but there is one here. I think there's one. The, yeah, there's, there's one, one on the side, side too. Um, and then coming into the sideboard, there's not a lot going on in here. Dragon's Claw is the is the only like addition. And that's just some respect for burn. Yeah, I was going to say is burn anywhere. Nope. Didn't top 32. Nope. Um, but someone got someone got hurt by burn and refuses to do it again. I I don't blame him. <laughs> so fifth place is another Merktide Regent list. This one for DRC, four Ragavan, two Shredder, three Merktide. Uh, the spell suite's a little more expansive, like with an Archmage's Charm in there. Um, but nothing really that different going on in this deck versus the first one. Some changing, like I said, you know, some changing in the creature base and some spells, but nothing crazy. Uh, sideboard looks pretty standard as well. Uh, seventh and eighth, or sorry, sixth is four color Omnath. I Om- opened this up and I went, I swear to God, if this has Sahira in it. Okay, Hira. Yeah. Thank goodness Omnath. Or no, uh, I guess what keeps it from playing Kahira? Because it's, it's all elementals. It could. Wow. So that's just so little worth that sideboard slot. Although in this deck, you, I think you'd get some real advantage revealing Kahira because you'd throw your opponent onto blue white control. Well, not to mention the fact of the matter is it's not a bad lord. It's a three. No, you, it's you do have to pay six for it. A yep. Three, but like, well, it gets easier when you have Omnath. It's a lot easier, right? So like, it's not actually a. The my biggest argument is it's not really that good of a card in blue white yeah. control. But when it bumps every one of your creatures, everyone and your, gives them vigilance, and that's plan A. It's bumping every one of your creatures. Yeah, and a plan a, a make elemental swing. Yeah, like that's a lot different. Um, so endurance, risen reef, omnath, fury, solitude. Uh, you got ren and six and three fairy, and a couple of ephemerates. Yep, couple of ephemerates, which makes sense. You're running that risen reef package. We yeah. we commonly saw ephemerate when we saw Yorion elementals with risen reef because you get so much value off of yeah. ephemerate when you have one or heaven heaven to bets or heaven forbid two risen reef. Obviously, flickering omnath fury, endurance is the worst card to flicker. <laughs> It's like, yeah. oh, I'm just going to exile their graveyard, which you can still ski, uh, steal a lot of games by just nuking a graveyard at instant mm-hmm. speed. A um, couple of March of Otherworldly Lights with their prismatic endings, which is kind of cool. A card that I kind of got brought around to with how powerful it is, even though it's probably way worse than prismatic ending. Still really powerful. For Leyline Binding, of course, 
a mana base to support Leyline Binding and a four-color deck Meaning in general. Meaning two triumphs, three triumphs, Yeah, yeah. And then uh, your sideboard with like Besaju's, Explosives, Hallowed Moonlights, Endurances, Force of Vigors, stuff like that. You know what this deck could really use? Yorion. It'd really help it a lot. <laughs> Get some more elementals in there, some more controlling pieces. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why they're not running Yorion. <laughs> Can't imagine. Yep. Uh, wrap it up pretty quickly. Seventh and eighth are both in Domino Creativity lists. Let's take a peek at both of these. Um, you know, running three to four Archons, a couple Ren and Sixes. Pretty standard spell suite looks like to enable um, Indomitable Creativity. The seventh place list is a little more compact, a little more focused. The eighth place list is a little more spread out, a little more um, a little more uh, silver bullety. Uh, worth noting, I believe only the eighth place list is running a Persist, and only the seventh place list is running Leyline Binding. So in the finer details of these decks, there's definitely some differences, whether you're running a Persist package, whether you're running a Bitter Reunion uh, package or a Better Reunion or a Leyline Binding package. Um, a lot of the deck is is the same, though. The, the Obviously, Plan A is the same with Indominal Creativity. I don't think either one of them actually is running, uh, what's it called? Transmogrify. Mm-hmm. Both decks have ditched the Transmogrify entirely. One interesting pickup in the eighth place list Actually, in my opinion, two interesting pickups. One of them is Strike It Rich. Yep, which he's also got uh, one on the side as well. Yep, so one man to make an artifact to fuel the Indominus Creativity. The other one is three Prismari Command, which mm-hmm. is a very flexible answer slash enabler for a lot of things. The ability to you know destroy artifacts to um, you know free the way, the ability to draw, draw extra cards, turn through your deck, and it does also make treasures that turn on your creativity. Yeah, so. I was going to say, like, I can imagine one of the best uses for this is to uh, faithless looting and make a treasure. Yep. I mean, imagine if... Where you're just like, I'm going to dig for my combo and enable it. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, obviously, very powerful decks. Probably my combo deck of choice if I wasn't already on. I, I definitely prefer to straight reanimator, but if I am if I were to pick the best, the most powerful combo deck, I'd, I'd probably lean on, lean on creativity. But wrapping it up, we do have... 18.75% of the meta this week, six decks on Merktide Regent, and 15.5% five decks on Indomitable Creativity. So we're approaching 32 to 34% of the meta being two decks. Three of them up to almost close to 50% of the meta if you add that third deck yeah. with Rakdos Midrange at four. So this week in Modern, the meta was really kind of solidified around Merktide, Creativity, and Rakdos Midrange. Yeah, it's very clearly the rock, paper, scissors of the yeah. format. And it's nothing surprising there either. Like, those have been the real heavy hitters for a little while. So not super surprising there. Um, we do have Hardened Scales coming in with a couple decks, which is really cool. Uh, Living End, Other coming in at, again, two more. And Yawgmoth before we get into the straight one-ofs. Which includes Merfolk, just for all you Merfolk people That's out pretty there. Cool. There is a tribal deck still around. I think, and we don't go through them, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of hubbub. I think Merfolk won one of the challenges. Will you go back and pull up the Friday challenge really quick? I want to take a look at while he's doing that. Um, okay, so I pulled up one of the Hardened Scales list because I was talking about this with some friends. Um, for reference, we are running in this one list that I looked at two of the new Ozolith, the Shattered Spire, which, so obviously you've got four Hardened Scales. Uh... So one of the things we failed to mention, Saturday had a showcase challenge. Oh, I totally missed that. Not I'm a big sorry. deal. And it's not the end of the world. Yeah, we're not going back and recording the whole segment again. But what that means is there might have been a second 
Saturday challenge. Yeah. Because there usually is. There's a regular showcase. Both. And if that's the case, that might be what that... Um, yeah, that, that frees up a lot of the best players out of the, the normal challenge. Yeah. Um, but I do want to give a shout out to this Hardened Scales list that does have the two mana Ozolith, one in a green. So it's a Hardened Scales, but it also counts artifacts, not just creatures. And you can pay one in a green, tap it, to put a plus one, plus one counter onto an artifact or creature as a sorcery. And it's got cycling. And it's got cycling. So while two mana is twice as much mana as hardened scales, and that is relevant, it does way more than hardened scales. And so I'm not surprised at all to see at least two of them in the main. Uh, it is a legendary, though. So, you know, come and go with that. But wrapping it up, most played cards in the modern. We've got Lightning Bolt, Ragavan, Engineered Explosives, Spell Pierce, Expressive Iteration, Top Creatures, Ragavan, Fury, Grief, Endurance, and Ledger Shredder. Ledger Shredder kind of coming up in the world. I and guess that one wrong if for modern. Top Spells, Lightning Bolt, Engineered Explosives, Spell Pierce, Expressive Iteration, and Unholy Heat. All right, so that wraps up modern. Uh, let's head over. We're going to do, uh, we're you know two hours and 20 minutes into our podcast, but let's get started on our <laughs> final topic this week, which is going to be our Force the Issue on let me pull these cards up questing beast versus rampaging raptor so this week's force the issue was uh submitted by mono wolf and this is actually a discussion i've already had at the sages shop with a couple people talking about when this card got spoiled so we'll start with the original and by original i mean throne of eldraine so like three years ago uh questing beast affectionately called questing book so two green green for a legendary creature beast four four it has Vigilance, Death Touch, Haste. Questing Beast can't be blocked by creatures with power 2 or less. Combat damage that would be dealt by creatures you control can't be prevented. And whenever Questing Beast deals damage to an opponent, it deals that much damage to target Planeswalker that creature that player controls. So the card in question, in regards to how it rates against Questing Beast, which is relevant to say that Questing Beast has seen play um, a decent bit of play in Pioneer, some in modern, and I've seen it a little bit in, in legacy. In legacy, yep. So it is a very powerful card, and was all over fucking standard. Yes, crazy over standard. So rampaging raptor, two red red for a four four creature dinosaur with trample and haste. You can pay two and a red, and rampaging raptor gets plus two plus zero oh until the end of turn. Whenever rampaging raptor deals combat damage to an opponent, it deals that much damage to target planeswalker that player controls or battle that player protects. So, um, Matt and I have re uh, have refrained from discussing this like three times now. So, um, other than I think we kind of naturally ended up on different sides of it. So a, a little bit, and so but, I, you know, this isn't no, no one has like a, a, a particular side. I'm not here to I'm not yeah. to, here to defend Raptor or defend Questing Beast. We're trying to figure out which well, we'll ones do the same breakdown we just did yeah. over which ones the objectively better and invasion thing. So, what do you think? So, I think not only on the numbers, but within play styles of the color, Questing Beast is by far the better card. Um, the Trample is mostly negated by the fact that Questing Beast can't be blocked by, can't be chumped. Yep. That's, that's, yeah, those, those that's, were almost made for each other. Yep. Now, the, the, the seal, I will say this, this is the only thing I think Rampaging Raptor actually has over Questing Beast is the ceiling on its higher. But the yes. ceiling on it is also limited by the fact that most red decks are never going to spend three mana to do two damage 
want to do extra damage. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's really bad fire yep. breathing. If if the fire breathing was better, if it was just one-to-one, that'd be yeah. a huge improvement. Three mana is brutal. Uh-huh. Um, Questing Beast, in my opinion, it's way more defensive without sacrificing any actual offensive capability. Yes. The ability to have death touch and hold off anything. Even just having vigilance is huge. Having vigilance is huge. Um, it is a legendary, so you can only have one, so it's yep. worse in multiples. Although Way worse. It is, it's like significantly worse in multiples, although what you can do with it is like start like trading with it because it always trades. Yeah. So you can throw it in to be like, well, you've got a 6-6. Six, six. You want to trade it with my questing beast? Cool. Yep. Questing beast. Yeah, like, but, but that's you, forcing you into bad yeah. play patterns. And you will have situations where you just you don't draw a card this turn. You'll have turns where you don't draw anything. Yep. You drew a quest you drew your second questing beast. It's useless. And that is a legitimate cost. It is. Um, especially in green, which wants to build a solid board presence. Uh-huh. Now, the flip side of that is questing beast almost by itself is a solid board presence. <laughs> well, I was and one thing to keep in mind is like you're playing these creatures because you're in probably a pretty aggressive deck mm-hmm. and basically not drawing a hypothetically taking a turn off of developing your board because you didn't you drew an unplayable card is yeah. a is a relevant cost. It is. Um so we'll just go. So we've got the vigilance, the the death touch, in my opinion. Death touch is one of my favorite keywords ever. Like see, haste is one or trample is one of my favorite keywords. Yeah. And like I said, the 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 comp it's not one to one, but the can't be chumped kind of is trample. It, I get you. It because I mean, there's a lot of in a lot of ways it's better. You can't um you can't double up on two on two twos. Yeah, and, and kill a questing beast. Yeah, you can't do stupid shit like that. Yep. But like I said, that's where the ceiling comes in. Where trample with the fire breathing all of a sudden is a much much higher ceiling. Yep. So I'm just going keyword by keyword. Haste, I love. The only thing I don't like about it is I don't really like. When they give green creatures haste, it's as an old school player that feels weird to me. Yeah, I know reach. it's changed over time, but but reach sucks. Yep. So like haste is just much better. Oh, it's infinitely better. Um, it's absurdly better. And this card was printed to sell packs. Like that's yep. just what and it was. Something that could be worth referencing is we're comparing a mythic to a rare. Yes, and that does matter. Well, it. In fairness, I, I mention it, but like. Not to put not not to deck building, not in deck building, but it's you're gonna see more power in the questing beast probably because it's a mythic. Yeah. But yeah, realistically, it shouldn't matter. We're building a deck. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care about rarity. Yes. Assuming cost is not an I'd issue play, here. I'd play every gush I fucking could. Yeah. Um, so we hit the haste, we hit the vigilance, uh, we hit the can't be chumped. <clears throat> the combat damage that would be dealt by creatures you control can't be prevented is technically text, but almost yeah. never matters. Unless they fuck up and block it with Progenitus, like... Yeah, like, there's... It would matter more if protection was a thing. The funny thing is, that text would be way better on Rampaging Raptor. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Because, like, pro-red shit is everywhere. That's one of the things they kind of, like... That's the only time they really keep pro-protection around, is anti-red stuff. So, in a a solid checkmark for Questing Beast also, uh, this is a story I'll steal from DC, but he was stuck in a... I think it was a Pioneer tournament. It might have been a modern tournament, but I think it was Pioneer. And his opponent had like, we'll say two life and had created the nine lives solemnity lock mm-hmm. and basically got into this like, why aren't you conceding? You can't win. And they went like four or five turns back and forth and Doug drew questing beast and won. Yep. Because nine lives prevents damage and questing beast doesn't let you. Yep. So while it's not necessarily text, it is still text. Yeah, it is text. It's just pretty uncommon that it's uncommon. Matters. Yeah. 
Uh, and then they both effectively do the same thing. If I'm reading the text correctly, almost exactly. They, it's they, just one hits battles and the other just hits planeswalkers. Yes. So yes, technically the rampaging raptor does is better more. in that regard. Does more, and it is from if I'm reading it correctly, it's strictly better. It hits planeswalkers or battles. You get to pick. So the way I look at that is, if you were already considering putting battles in your deck. Rampaging Raptor really makes those battles a lot more playable. It does. Because like we talked about, like the idea that a battle also just gives your opponent for life, Raptor this, plays around that. And so giving you opening you up to play battles gives you a lot more deck building space. Now, it's kind of you know, you can't just build your deck on the idea that you're gonna have Rampaging Raptor, but having it be an option really reduces the well, cost of those battles. from what you said, those battles are already seeing play in standard anyways. Yes. So it's not like it's not like in standard. It's not like you're going out of your way to play battles so you can make Raptor good. Exactly. You're already playing the battles. And Raptor gets just a little way bit better. better. Yeah. Um, now, I will say, before we get too deep into this, I'm not comparing any of this stuff to standard. Yeah. Because I don't really play standard. Uh, and if we want to... I don't know how Rampaging Raptor is doing in standard, but Questing Beast was fucking everywhere in standard. <laughs> so... It I'm looks showing, like there's I'm zero, that there's zero play zero. in Rampaging Raptor in Standard, which can be denoted by the fact that it costs 50 cents. Yep. Uh, Questing Beast. Probably, probably not expensive. Yeah, it's not expensive anymore, but it was expensive when it was fucking yeah. Standard legal. Yeah, it was. Um. So yeah, as far as Rampaging Raptor goes, Trample's great, works well with the Fire Breathing, the Fire Breathing's overcosted. Haste is fantastic. We already discussed the last ability. That's the biggest thing to me, the the one point that I think is the most important is Rampaging Raptor is effectively a green card with red mana. Like red red decks in general, outside of standard, don't like just committing four mana to a creature. Now it does have haste and that helps, but like historically speaking, they just don't do this very often. So does that mean that so would you ever consider playing this in um like a red stompy deck in Legacy? I that's so, the so your primo hits in, in Red Stompy are going to be the two goblins, right? Rabble mm -hmm. Master and Legion War Boss, because they come in, they're making do. They're they're two twos and they're making dudes and swinging for a couple every turn. Yeah, this is four. Now the argument I'll have on to kind because of, my first thought immediately in my head is it's four mana, Jake. What are you talking about? Okay, well we just watched all these fucking four mana initiative cards shit all over Legacy, so it's four mana, but it does come in and put your opponent on a very fast clock. It does and. It is bolt proof, which helps. It, yes. Um, the as far as the as the meta sits now, I don't think it would see any play because Caves of Chaos Adventure is just better. Yeah, and no and one's just, no one's playing Blood Moon Stompy anyway. Right. But like, even if they were, I'd still rather have that card. I think. I, I think, think so. it's just a faster clock. And you just pay the four mana once, and it just becomes a seven five the next turn, and just starts beating fucking face. Yeah, because it starts like was a four three or something. I think it or? starts as a five three, and then. As soon as there's no way it starts at a five three. Remember correctly. Not real. It's like I got over. I mean, you can pull it too, but yeah, it's oh five three. God, That's what I mean. Three. Like that card's stupid. Yeah, <laughs> and then it turns into like what seven five. Yeah. Then as soon as you you like you you grab your land, and then the next thing you can uptick it to a seven five. Yeah, you're probably right like, there. So and that land replace it, it, it replace it draws a card. Yeah. So like, if that card didn't exist, you could maybe make the argument. I don't know if it's better. I don't know the decks well enough to know if they'd rather like the goblins snowball better. Yeah. But this is a stickier threat, but it also costs one more. Mm hmm. So, and planeswalkers are very much relevant in legacy. So like yep. that does matter like this, 
Um, but the problem is the planeswalkers that see play are typically in control decks mm -hmm. mostly, and they're just going to swords this. It is difficult to kill with a prismatic ending. Yep. Um, but swords just eats the shit swords out of it. Swords eats it, yeah. I mean, but we usually... We but it is bolt proof. We usually don't evaluate a card based on how well swords yeah. kills it. Yeah, well, no, it's not necessarily... It's not necessarily how well it kills it, but it does cost four rather than three. Yeah. So you do get that tempo loss. Yeah, but well, that is true. You know, we I can this red black this red white deck that we've got. There, there's eight four drops in here that they are susceptible to the same thing. They do leave they do, something behind. That's the thing. They they leave but stuff behind. The thing they leave behind isn't that great if you don't have any creatures to utilize it. True. But they do leave something behind, yeah. which this one doesn't. Um. But this one also well. What this does, this this uh, this leaves behind your opponent having four less life. Yeah, I guess if they kill it, the turn of ETPs, then it doesn't. I would yeah, think, I think like an untap. Yeah, like if you get to swing with it, you know. But yeah, it, that doesn't. That often isn't going to happen. Like if we're talking about upside, the upside is you swing this. You they play Jace. Yeah, and you untap, drop this, punch them for four, and kill Jace. Like yeah. that's a pretty good upside. Yeah, it's really not going to lie. Like the card has merit, which is why uh -huh. we're discussing it. Um. And if we're just going to go downside, I think the downside, the downsides just get exponentially worse the more creature costs, and it doesn't ETB and do something. That's true in Legacy. And now, to be fair, questing if we're comparing the two, because currently we're comparing the Raptor versus the Initiative cards. Yeah, the Raptor versus the Beast. Beast is the same way. Yeah, he also doesn't ETB he, and do anything. ETBs and doesn't do shit. He punches. Right, and so if we're you know, apples to apples here. Yep. Assuming, yeah, you get to drop him, swing in, kill a planeswalker. They both do that. Yep. But questing beast gets to attack into a murktide. Questing can attack into a murktide. This can't. Yep. Um. And that that logic falls from modern as well. It can yep. attack into the creatures in modern quest. I mean, it, there's not as many big fatties in modern that you'd be one attacking into, but I mean, it, it can. Yeah. This this card to me would have been impressive. But it feels like a fixed. Questing Beast. Yeah, that's basically what I was going to say. It's It feels like it would have been impressive before Questing Beast. Uh-huh. And then, but after Questing Beast, you're like, eh? Yeah. Yeah, it feels it feels fixed. It's, the the keywords are probably safer. Vigilance and Death Touch got replaced with Trample. And so Haste matches Haste. If you're going to say that, I don't think Trample's worth Vigilance, Death Touch. No. Trample's worth a couple, I mean, like, uh, in the world where like you're you're comparing like trample's worth a couple double keywords, you know what I mean? Like you yeah. could easily buy off like fucking reach and reach and vigilance for sure. Yeah, like reach and vigilance could be traded for trample. Like that's I could see that trade off, but um, vigilance and death touch. Yeah, and it doesn't buy that. Um, um, fire breathing I do like a lot, and in the earlier formats that's gonna matter. The ability yes. to um, pump it twice and make an eight four that has trample. So. You're getting four or five damage in. That's it, it. Does it can have the reach <laughs> that it needs to finish a game where questing beast maybe wouldn't. Yeah. Um, in that essence, it's kind of like build your own death touch. Mm -hmm. You can kill some of the larger mm -hmm. things in a much less efficient way. Yeah. Like I said, if that fucking if that was just fire breathing, it was one to one. If it was one to one, yeah, that card. Um, I that's scary. In my opinion, it does gain back a lot of ground that you can amass an army of them. Mm -hmm. You that can make big. a couple. Mm -hmm. Um, that's huge to me. I've I have been burned quite a bit playing legendaries where they get stuck in your hand and it's just a it's the worst feeling ever. I don't explain that to you. Yeah. That oh, you I've know, yeah, it fucking, fucking sucks. Like I mean, I've looked at my board and went, please, 
please kill my creature so I can play my other one. Like, yeah, would you I pl- would love for this to trade one for one yes. or something. I please, please attack your three three into my three three so I can play my second one. Yeah. Um, and then nothing feels worse than like spending a card to kill their Thalia, and they go, "Cool, Thalia," and it's mm-hmm. like, "Fuck!" Just drew him a card. Yep. So, it not being legendary does hold significant value to me. I think I have to unfortunately agree with Matt though that. I, I do think questing beast is just better. Um, it should be, and if we're being totally fair, it's a legend. Well, one, it's a legendary, or sorry, it's a it's a it's a legendary and a mythic. Yeah. And two, it was printed in a way more broken set. Yeah. Throne of Eldraine gave us wonderful cards like I don't know Oko, um, all of the um, what are they called the the double spells. What are those called? The adventure spells. All the adventure spells like gave us things like Stomp and. Yeah, Brazen Borrower and shit. Like, it was in a crazy broken set. And it was in a crazy broken standard. Yeah. So this is in a much more tame standard in a much more tame balanced set. And the But the flip side of that, though, is Questing Beast was legal in a broken-ass standard and still yes, saw that's play. What I'm saying. Oh, yeah. It's, Rampaging Raptor... If you were to flip those cards, mediocre, yeah, Rampaging Raptor sees play in, l- in neither nothing. of those formats. Yeah, and yeah, like and Questing Beast would shit all over today's standard. Yeah, it was pretty good in that standard, and it will shit all over this standard. And yeah, yeah I, I don't, I do think objectively, Questing Beast is better. Now, hear me out. What if I only have red mana? That well, that's what I was gonna get to. The I still think I'd honestly rather have one of the goblins. It just depends on what you're playing against. Because I do like the ability. I do like that they go tall and wide. Because they get a lot of them get like they bigger. They do sort of. They have mentor, and so well, one of them gets bigger for each other goblin you attack with as well. Uh, so it makes a token and it gives itself. I think it's rabble master is one that does because rabble master forces things to attack. Now there's a big downside to that. Yeah, other goblins you control attack at the beginning of combat on your turn. Create a one one. Whenever Goblin Rabbit Master attacks, it gets plus one, plus zero oh until the end of turn for each other attacking Goblin. Yeah. So, so it gets sort of tall. Yeah. Um, the, pro- the, the problem is, it's, in my opinion, it doesn't get tall. And I'll tell you why. I don't consider that getting tall because um, it doesn't have haste. If you play it this turn. So, okay. If you've been hoarding up your Goblins so that it would get tall. Well, you play it and now they have to attack. Mm-hmm. So you're probably making a bad attack. Or... You haven't been hoarding up your goblins. You play it. The go- a couple goblins you have attacks, and then you get to untap with it. So it, maybe it attacks and it gets like what plus two or plus three. You have, it gets a couple. The so what I was getting at was um, in Red Prison, not a goblin deck, but like in Red Prison, it gets tall because you drop it on turn two after turn one you chalice, and they they just don't play anything. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I we'd have to do the math. That's what I'd be comparing is which one is actually no, like, a faster clock. Like if we're talking, because yeah, like I want to see on a, against a goldfish, which one is actually a faster clock. Yeah, because on on turn on the if, if turn one is when they both hit the board, this swings for one, that swings for four. Then that this one swings for one, two, three, four, five, six. And that swings for four. So it's seven. Actually, so yeah, that's seven. And so on turn two, the turn after... Yeah, the turn after it gets played, Rabble Master's attacking for a total of seven damage across both turns, and then this one's attack. Uh, the fucking new dinosaur's attacking for eight. Yeah, and then the next turn, it's snowballs even further. Yeah, now and it's the way ahead. Well, then, as far as if I'm doing the math right, the game's over on turn three with three attacks with an untouched Rabble Master, isn't it? So you're at seven. 
then you attack and you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine plus seven will be fifteen. Gotcha. So pretty fucking not close. twice, but it's but close. And then you're looking at four, eight, twelve. Yeah. So it's against a against a goldfish. Rabble master is a quicker clock. It is. I mean, it's relevant. It's when you're looking at those kinds of decks, that's super relevant. Yeah. Because you're counting that like you need the game to end as soon as fucking possible. Well, and that's the whole point of prison decks. Like yeah. The whole point of mono red prison is to turn your opponent into a goldfish. Yeah. You go, yeah, cool. On turn yeah. one, you don't cast your deck. Yep. And, and then maybe by turn three, you fought your way out of this, yeah, and but, but you're does, so far it behind, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You yeah. you found the besage you, but it's okay. I've got five creatures. All of them are lethal, or you know, enough of yeah. them are lethal. Mm-hmm. But what if we start pumping the rampaging raptor? Then that math changes. It does. But also, it's but presumably on the red and the red prison deck, you've been you could be you played. You'd probably just play another rabble master, <laughs> or you play a fucking fable. Like yeah. you're committing way more to the board yeah. versus like, just and so we can both agree that. Unless you're worried about playing around a wrath, committing more to the board is way better than pumping your dude. Now, I will say, against the right deck, pumping your dude does matter. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. Because you don't have to commit anything. Like, yep. again, if you're talking about, like, for example, if you want to talk about standard or pioneer, where you're worried, I don't know about standard, but I'm sure there's some wrath effect in standard. There always there's is. There's the best wrath ever printed in standard. Um, Wrath of God? Sunfall. <laughs> have you seen the new the new wrath? So it's five mana. Gotcha. So it's worse than Wrath in that card. But you exile all creatures, mm-hmm. and then you incubate X. You incubate once for each. You is incubate it each X. player incubates? No, 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 no. I get to incubate X, where X is the number of creatures that died. Oh, that's cool. Or were exiled. So, so you get to you can a, sacrifice the incubate tokens to make them into. Uh, you pay two and flip them into a five flip five flip or whatever. Flip. So gotcha. so I I cast Sunfall, ex- exile all five creatures on the board. I make a incubate token. With five counters on it, you can pay two mana, flip it over, and make it a creature. That's cool. So I could incubate this turn, or I could sunfall this turn. You take your turn, whatever. On my turn, I go, yeah, I'm ready to attack. Pay two mana. It doesn't exile and come back. It just flips over. So it was already here. So attack. That's cool. Yeah, sunfall is fucking dope. I say it. it it's it's definitely probably the <laughs> definitely probably it's definitely <laughs> probably the best five mana one. Oh, I think for sure it is. It's, um, I think it rivals. I think that rivals Wrath of God because it wraths and then leaves you with a dude. I'd be curious to see it in play. The the the, we, the, we the thing to see that it makes... in like late in like modern or something. In standard, it's fucked. Well, the problem is the only the only wraths I see play in legacy or modern are the uncountable ones. Yeah. Uh, and I'll tell you, in standard, it's fucking disgusting. Yeah. Well, that's what I was. To me, Supreme Verdict is the kind of the de facto best one. Yeah. It costs four and it's un- it's just all upside. It's yeah. Wrath of God. Yes, you can regenerate. <laughs> Yeah, but it's uncounterable, and yep. who cares that you're playing blue and white? Yeah. This one, <laughs> the exiles, deck that though. runs them anyway—that's huge. That's huge. Exiling is huge, and getting a dude is huge. Yeah. So, and sometimes a fucking monster of a dude too. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean against a fucking. Can you imagine? In, can you imagine exiling elves and like I'm gonna exile your seven creatures and make an eight eight? Make a yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, one of my the it in my opinion doesn't see play solely because there's just so many that have been printed but damn is a really good fucking card single target removal and then oh by the way overpay and it's just it's just wrath of god yeah <laughs> like yep cool. it's, it's a very good card and it's got beautiful art um yeah that, that was a really cool design anyway so i think kind of ra- i think like we're getting to the end of this like just comparing them on stats i i don't think the rampaging raptor lines up good enough against it now i do think if you were playing a uh, like a red deck or a red black deck or whatever, and you really wanted this card, if you really wanted Questing Beast, but you don't want to stretch your mana base for green and double greens a lot, I think Rampaging Raptor is worth the slot. If you have decided in your deck building 
that you would love and that 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 questing beast style card that four mm-hmm. mana four four haste uh, maybe does some other things can get your battle can, can flip your battles especially if you're running battles then rampaging raptor is not a silly card to run at all it's a very real card yeah it's one again it's one of those things it's just it's one thing away from it's like every almost every card we've talked about today has been like a card on the cusp that yeah. we've gone like a deep dive on yeah where you're talking about cards that are just like if an eight gets you into the format these are like six or sevens yeah where you're just you're right like there it's but really like, really close and like i said if questing beast is they an basically eight, just shorted it a keyword they did and that's that's fundamentally the difference yeah if questing beast is an eight this is a 7.2 yeah like it's it's probably just worse um but it's not it's not so much worse that you should heavily weaken your mana base to avoid running it. The other thing to keep in mind, and this is short and it's not super relevant, but recently dinosaur is a much more relevant creature type than beast, and that can matter. Yep, it does. Have, it does have a yeah. It's a, there's like there's some, a million beasts. Any times of synergies you have with dinosaurs coming in, could, yeah. could be relevant. There's a million beasts, and, but there's hardly ever beast tribal. Um, we're also going back to Exelon soon, mm-hmm. and so like you could see some di- like dinosaur tribal could be coming back. Merfolk tribal, all those, those pirate tribal, like vampire tribal. Yeah, but like some some tribal could come into play. But if we're looking at building a deck that's not tribal, which for the most part we are, um, if you got green. Or you're deciding between green and red, and there's nothing's pulling you either way. Like questing beast is probably just better. If you're stuck in well, red, I'd be curious what you should do. And I know you should take uh, your Chandra's out and run run it for a week and pioneer just to play with it. Like it costs you a dollar. I mean, we could. So I, I will t- we both know it's a worse card than Chandra, but I'd like to actually see it in action. Uh, I might. Um, I will tell you the reason I don't want to. I'm not saying I won't, but I don't want to is because. Um, Chandra fills us does a thing. I I chose Chandra very specifically. I um, I think we talked about it. Yeah. That's why I wouldn't want to run this card in that spot. But yeah, I could just see how it feels. Yeah, maybe I'll grab a couple copies and like I'll get to I'll talk to DC and I'll get there like an hour early and we'll play a couple games and just get some rampaging raptors onto the battlefield and see how it feels to play the game with them. Because I mean, maybe it's what the deck could use. Maybe like having the ability to on turn four just slam a four four and start beating my opponent to death. I mean, this is a it's a decent creature. Yeah, it is. It's like, and Rakdos Midrange does not have a hard time dealing damage quite often. That's, you know, it's, you're paying, you're playing two mana three twos. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's two mana three twos and three mana three threes. Like you're punching in. So yeah, because it's, it's well, just funny because not... like you said that, like I threw up my mouth a little bit. Oh, I know. Because like Chandra's there to be a difficult to, re- a more difficult to remove threat that has removal on it and draws cars and inevitability. This is none of that. Nope, it's a raptor. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a four mana four four. So, but yeah, um, it is interesting to compare these cards, and I am glad we did. It's this is something I have half heartedly done two or three times at the Sage's shop, just kind of because they're so similar. You, mm-hmm. As soon as this card gets gets printed, you have to compare them right to each other because well, the, mean, that's obviously somebody went, "Hey, Questing Beast is too good. How can we reprint like, that?" I wouldn't Let's even. I red. wouldn't be one bit surprised if. Either this card was inspired by Questing Beast, or if it already kind of existed, if it got tuned because of Westing, Questing Beast. Like, there there might be a missing keyword on here. Mm-hmm. Or they're just like, nope, we saw how that went. Yeah. Or maybe it was a 5-5. Five, five. Mm-hmm. Or, or like, maybe it was oh, a 6-4. Card would be, card be solid as a 5-5, five, five, but that would that would make me throw up in my mouth. <laughs> a 4-mana 5-5 five, five with Compared, two keywords and fire again, breathing. Yeah, just like, I see 4-mana 5-5, five, five, and I think of Juzam Dijin. Which did you damage on your upkeep? That uh, was yep. the OG four mana five yep. five. So 
it's very I say it's very possible this got this this and it's it's fairly likely this card was heavily influenced by Questing Beast, and Questing Beast was a dominating force. Yeah. So, um, but thank you, Mono Wolf, for kind of pushing that for or forcing that issue and getting us to talk about it a little more. Um, thanks, and so everyone who likes these longer episodes, thank you, Mono Wolf, because we are now at about two and a half hours or two hours and forty minutes. So, Matt, um. I think I'm about ready to wrap it up. So I'm going to start doing the outro. Think about anything you want to cover before we go. So if anyone wants to reach out to us, uh, cantripcartel at gmail.com, uh, cantripcartel on Facebook, on, I almost just said AOL.com. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> on uh, Instagram, Did you ever on use Twitter. Yes, I did. Okay. I, I, I was I w- at, not sure how I was old at, you are versus where dial-up was at. So, keep in, so I grew up in the country. Mm-hmm. So I was probably about five years too late for dial up, but we were about five years behind. I gotcha. spent most of my middle school on dial up. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, we're Cantor Cartel everywhere. Um, send us an email, hit us up, chit chat with us. If you want to hit the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Cantor Cartel. Um, hop in, get to, get in the discord, get those fun tiers, get, maybe get, in the, get into a force the issue tier and make us talk about something magic related. But Matt, is there anything I'm forgetting? Not that I know of. Uh, um, I think it's time to go to the Patreon episode. Yeah, we'll remember this week. Um, <laughs> but I think we'll see you guys next week. Yep. Have a nice night, guys. So, yeah, I'll uh, play my fourth land drop. And uh, I guess I'll tap out and play Rampaging Raptor. Uh, go to combat? Sure. I'll declare Rampaging Raptor attacking. Nope. Nothing. Okay. So that puts you to 16. Cool. Pass. Uh, I'm going to untap, upkeep, draw. Oh, swords. Swords of plowshares. <laughs> Raid. <laughs> Winning. Welcome, step on in to the Cantrip Cartel. Chicken hat, chatting meta games, or slinging some spells, casting elves, sipping on blue soup, and parting some veils. Glimpse of nature once upon a time, they're telling the tale of the elvish visionaries on the wildwood prairies, where the brainstorms are so fearsome, so scary, so legendary. Queer and rangers crowns the sylvan libraries, where the greens and zenith would parry the clouds and turn their swords into plows. Let them rotate the crops, abundant growth in the ground. Nourish the life from the loam until it flourished unbound. Seeds of innocence burnished all the birch lorian mounds. Gaia's cradle exhaled, carpet of flowers unwound. Birds of Paradise sang, tropical islands of sound. Allosaurus, shepherd danced on dinosaurs, stopping grounds. Jake and Matt pondered deeply all this magic they found. Through their visions, doused in serum, they saw only for how to convey these magic stories aloud to the crowds, the masses. Make the voices heard, share the truth, the magic. Through ancestral visions, they felt compelled to draw every single card with the cantrip cartel. Draw cards with the cantrip cartel. Draw cards with the cantrip cartel.